Welcome everybody to the Nosebleed Sports Podcast. Uh, another week of doing everything separately like everybody else is doing, but we're still doing it. We're still, uh, the show must go on, right? Uh, so I'm Adam Schmidt. With me as always is my cousin, uh, Chris Witt. Chris, how are you this week? Buddy, if I was any better, I would be uh, the, the greatest Bengals insider in the history of the Nosebleed Sports Podcast, I'd be Andre <laughs> Edwards, who just so happens to be with us as well. <laughs> and I'm and I'm sorry, Andre, but also the only Bengals insider on the. <laughs> that is correct. That is one hundred percent correct. <laughs> but the best Bengals insider in town is what I say. Why would we get anybody else when we already have the best? There's exactly. no reason to have another one on. <laughs> You're right. You're right. So yes, you've you've seen his work on Locked On Bengals. You've heard him on 700 WLW. If you haven't seen him on Twitter, you have to follow the guy Andre Edwards 06. Right? That's still your yes, sir. your uh, Twitter handle. Please yes, follow him. He is the best for all Bengals information. Also, uh, Bearcats, Reds, yeah. comedy, all, everything all, you can imagine. <laughs> all things entertainment, man. All things entertainment. It's exactly. You know what? In the world that we live in today, you gotta have some outlet, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and and being entertained, whether it's by sports or comedy or movies or jokes or whatever it is, man. Uh, if I can, if I can help to put a smile on somebody's face and drop some information, or you know, just just make it uh, get you a little distracted from from the day to day, that's what I'm here for. There you I gotta go. say, man. I got to tell you that I just want to congratulate you. I saw 24.6 thousand tweets reached out or something like that. Let <laughs> dude, that's big time. Hey, just, again, man, if, if if I can help somebody put a smile on their face for a day, or even if you're just flipping through Twitter right quick, like, what's this dude talking about? And that's a great, uh, that's, that's a great way to segue to, um, we don't want to spend too much time on it, but you're dealing with the same thing. All of us are, you are, you know, at home as much as you have to be. Um, and you're with your family. I'm sure you're doing some teaching and you're still working and all that kind of stuff. We're all, we're all dealing with, uh, staying at home a little more often. So and, and it's it's tough on everybody, all of this stuff. It's tough, obviously, on the people who are actually dealing with the illness and having people losing people. Tougher on people like that than it is on somebody like me who's just at home by myself, staying away from everybody so that I don't get anybody else sick. But, um, but we try to, Chris and I have talked, we try to find silver linings, trying to find positive uh, things coming out of this give us give us something what's what you know are there projects getting done at home that wouldn't normally be is there more family time what's going on at home some kind of a silver lining or a positive thing coming out of this for you i, I watched a ton of netflix yeah. um, <laughs> i have caught up on so many shows it's in, it's insane um no i mean i think well for me uh, i work i work in healthcare so uh, fortunately and or unfortunately, I don't get the amount of time at home on a day-to-day basis that uh, others do get the opportunity to have. With that being said, um, my evenings and especially my weekends no, that's right. yeah, have been dedicated to uh, learning my new smoker grill. Oh! Yeah, so I've been 
Which jump on, man? You got a Traeger? Is it a, yeah, is it pellet? Right is it pellet? Is it charcoal? Yeah. What do you got? So it's a, uh, it's a uh, Traeger, uh, pellet. Ah, yeah. Nice. And, uh, it has been my obsession for about a month now. And like so far I've done like ribs and, uh, smoked chicken breast. And just this past weekend, I did a brisket. And, uh, yeah, man, it's, it's, it, it's it's time it's easy it just takes a lot of time um you know you you find different recipes and different cats tell you you know well you want to marinate it for two days and then you want to do this to it and then you want to do this to it and then you want to do that for like 17 hours and i'm like good god man can we just eat all that <laughs> man i'll tell you i uh I have not. I did not eat dinner tonight, and you just made that much more of an issue for me. So uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm so much hungrier now that you named all of those foods. Yeah, I love I love a good smoker because you can literally, uh, you know, you can either start it overnight and let her start going, or you can get up nice and early with it and just sit outside and nobody, tell everybody not to come anywhere near you because you got to make sure there's plenty of pellets and everything's in there where everything's going good. Grab a cigar, a cocktail, and just relax. Yeah. yeah. No, it's, it's, it's super nice, man. It's super nice. And the best, the best part about it was we had uh, brisket Sunday night, and then we had uh, brisket tacos last night. Oh, Ooh. goodness yeah. gracious. Too good. That's too good. What did you eat during the draft? Uh, what did I have during the draft? Um, wings one day, and then uh, ribs the next day because I was doing I was doing a the smoker. Nice, good work. I mean, those Speaking have got to be draft. two of the top like draft draft watching foods. Are there is there anything above those? Uh, that's it. Not. Not from a meat perspective, probably, you know, chips. And Just chips. wait till you smoke wings, dude. When you get your first set of smoked wings, go, oh, yeah. oh, you'll never go back to, you'll never go back to grilling or frying again. I'm all about it. I'm so, all about it. I'm going to give you a secret. All right. Smoke them. Smoke your wings. Uh, I, I don't have an exact time for you. It depends on your temperature and everything else, but you can figure that out. Sure. Smoke them and then throw them on the grill for about three minutes and just okay. let them crisp on the outside. Oh, buddy, I'm telling you right now, it's the greatest thing to ever happen. They can, right. Literally, the whole thing just falls into your mouth off the bone. Nice. Mm. So good. And yeah, I'm, I'm super down for experimenting right now because literally I have nothing else to do. <laughs> exactly. I go to work, I come home, I watch YouTube videos on how to do whatever it is I'm about to cook this weekend. And then I spend the entire weekend doing that. I might show up at your house in a full hazmat suit Perfect. to, to keep go. us all safe and to eat your food that you smell. I would just put a doggy bag right outside the front door. You don't even have to come in. Oh, that's perfect. There you go. That that's sounds perfect. great. <laughs> all right. So, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So, okay. So the, the easy thing for the Bengals, and we'll talk mostly specifically Bengals, obviously, but uh, the number one pick, there was, there were questions about maybe they'll trade it or something for a little bit before the draft, you know, as the draft was approaching. Um, and, and they, the Bengals decided to keep it and they went with who everybody knew was going to be the first pick Joe Burrow, obviously quarterback from LSU. So Andre, the big thing is 
what kind of a what kind of an impact realistically are you expecting from Joe Burrow from day one or season one? Super Bowl or bust, baby. Super Bowl <laughs> or bust. Sixty touchdowns. <laughs> right, Sixty-five touchdowns if you want to include the rushing touchdowns. Like 74, 75% completion percentage. It's freaking amazing. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Um, realistically speaking, I think if if you can win somewhere, and I'm being as, as uh, transparent as possible, if you can win somewhere between six to eight games, five to seven, five to eight, somewhere in there, um, and really show that, you're making moves towards what you want to be. Because look, it's going to take a minute for the rookie to, to figure things out. And as much as people want to yell and scream about, well, Andy Dalton went 9-7 his first year and made the playoffs and da 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 and this and that, he also had a pretty veteran team around him. He had a that offensive line stellar, stellar offensive line. This offensive line right now, this year, is pieced together with duct tape and hope. Yeah, I mean, they hope that Michael Jordan is better than he was last year. They mm-hmm. hope that Fred Johnson is a dude who can compete, you know, and, and beat out um, Hart on, on the right side. They hope that, you know, uh, Xavier Suofilo isn't just a dude who can come in and sub, but can, can start. So there's, there's a lot of hope and prayer on this line that, you know, everybody knows if you don't have a good offensive line, it, it derails the entire team and it derails the entire process. And it doesn't matter who your wide receivers are or running backs or quarterbacks for that matter. The line is where it starts. And unfortunately, the line can be where it ends if they don't flip up. So are you OK with them uh, just taking uh, one uh, one lineman in this draft and and taking him in the sixth round where you're not getting one of the top, you know, obviously uh, they might have been able to still get one a, a decent uh, right tackle in the draft. Uh, in the second round, they went with wide receiver, and we'll get to that later. But Hakeem Adeniji, I believe is how you say his name. Adeniji. Adeniji. He, uh, he comes in, and, and he's – I don't know that he's even in a spot to – to compete for a job, even with this offensive line that we have now. So uh, are you okay with the way they went about it? Do you think they'll do something in free agency, or are we pretty much where we're going to be? So if, am I okay with it if I was running the team? No. <laughs> but I have the I have the hindsight of, of 2020 and knowing that, you know, they took three linebackers. And would they have been okay to take a right tackle or – a higher-rated offensive lineman in the third round if they knew in the fourth round they were going to get Akeem Davis-Gaither and in the seventh round get Marcus Bader, right? If you know that ahead of time, then maybe you don't take a Logan Wilson in the third round. You take another offensive lineman that feel good with these two other guys you picked up. But, you know, I also feel like you can't address everything in one offseason. These Took a heck of a swing at trying to get everything, but yeah. um, ultimately, I genuinely believe that they feel like Michael Jordan is going to take a step. I think they genuinely believe that Jonah Williams is the starting left tackle and will play well, um, and that Fred Johnson is somebody that showed in the last couple of games last year that he can hold up against 
you know, NFL competition and, and really come in and compete this year for, for a starting job. Um, again, it's, it's a lot of hope. There, there's not, there's definitely not anything that, you know, you can go back to and say, okay, I'm resting my hat on this. Yeah. This is what, this is where it's at boys. It's, I think this kid's going to be better. I think this kid is, you know, going to develop. I think this, I think that, but until you actually get out there on Sundays or Thursdays or Mondays, like you just don't know. No doubt. Let, let me ask you one real quick question. When you get up in the morning, you put on uh, a pair of dress shoes, I assume. Is that correct for work? That is correct, sir. Uh, are you a solid, like, black, navy blue, uh, <laughs> solid color sock guy? Or are you, do you like the do you like going a little colorful, some designs? Yeah, I'm I'm very much so into my sock game. My sock game is what tie game used to be. So yeah. uh, I, I have over forty five. I counted the other day over forty five pairs of dress socks. <laughs> how about this? I don't know how many pair of dress socks I own. I can tell you that I have two drawers full of them. Yeah, it's it's uh it's definitely an obsession for sure. Like I there's not a piece of clothing wardrobe in my wardrobe that I couldn't find some socks that go with it. I love wow. it. That's perfect. Impressive. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> All right, so uh, j- jumping back into the I don't know how to transition, uh, but back yeah, into the <laughs> so speaking of feet, so we um, yeah, how we... about that wide receiver with the great body control and the good footwork? <laughs> Tell me about T. Higgins because he makes he made so many plays uh, over the last couple of years for Clemson and was was the go to wide receiver, obviously. Uh, for them, what, 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 where's he going to fit in in this lineup? Dude, he's, a, he's your starting, he's your third wide receiver in three wide receiver sets, without question. Like, John he's not going to take over John Ross off the bat. He, yeah, right off the bat. He, yes, John Ross can, John Ross is now gadget plays. John Ross is designated speed guy. Uh, the, you know, I, I really don't care in the grand scheme of things what they do with John Ross. Because you put out AJ Green, you put out Tyler Boyd, and then you put out T Higgins. My goodness, good luck lining up against that. And I, then on four wide receiver sets, you send you know those three dudes deep. You send Boyd on the out route, and then you just run you know John Ross on some quick slant stuff and getting him into space. Good luck. The weapons are there. There's no doubt. There's no doubt that these. He may have the best weapons in the uh, in the AFC North. I'd like to say, if not the whole AFC, but at least in the AFC North, we all know what Kansas City keeps. But when you go Joe Mixon, AJ Green, Tyler Boyd, T Higgins, uh, I, I mean, it's as good as it gets anywhere. Yeah, I mean, I think if you were looking for a place where you know outside of offensive line, but if we're just talking skill positions, if you're looking for a place. They're not just uber dynamic. It's probably at the tight end position. Mm-hmm. But the offense that they run doesn't really use a ton of the tight end. And so while it would be great to have a Travis Kelsey type person uh, on the team, I don't know that, that they would use him in the same way that Kansas City uses, you know, Kelsey from that perspective. That's why I think C.J. Uzama fits this 
offense perfectly. We'll see what sample becomes, but the concept of what sample is and who sample is is exactly why they took him. An exactly. blocker who can, you know, help tilt the line one way or another and then also be a pass catching threat that kinda keeps you on your team. Think think remember old school Rodney Holman? Yeah. Rodney was a great pass catcher, but man, he would just decimate dudes on on the line and, and blocking. Like that's that's what they're hoping these two can be for them. So if 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 you're AJ Green and you say that uh, you got and you got let's just pretend like there's gonna be training camp and there's gonna be everything and everybody's gonna do what they're gonna do. Because yeah, obviously yeah. we don't know where we're at right now with all that. But let's pretend that's all everything's gonna go as as scheduled. Uh, and you're AJ Green who came out and said, if they franchise tag me, I'm not coming to any of the OTAs, I'm not doing training camp, I'm not doing any of that stuff. When you turn around and you've got Joe Mixon in his uh is it third or fourth year, and you have Tyler Boyd in his third or fourth year, uh, T. Higgins, rookie. You have this young core and a young rookie star at quarterback. Are you changing your mind now, or are you still trying to stick it to the Bengals? Yeah, that's a that's a really good question because you also now your homeboy's gone too, Andy Dalton. You know, going to to Dallas, which was a big big thing for AJ to you know have have Andy on the squad with him. They kind of came in together. So yep. um, I, the hope is, you know, you see these things, you're kind of rejuvenated and, you know, excited about what the, what the future could hold. Um, and, you know, you, you, you play out your year and decide, you know what? Yeah. I, I want to stick around and see where we are and see what we can do. I know the Bengals want to keep him. I, they want to sign him long-term what they're not going to do is do that before they see what he can do. You, you haven't played in a year and a half, almost, almost two years. Like you, we can't give you, you know, 17, 18, $19 million a year on what you did to a year, a year and a half ago. Like we just can't do it. And so I think, you know, from a business perspective, he has to understand that at the same time, he's like, well, you should be loyal to me and you know what I can do when I'm healthy. Sure, but you're not healthy or you haven't been. So we got to see you healthy. When we see you healthy, you know, it wouldn't shock me if if he shows up. Like, again, let's say there's camp. He shows up for training camp, <clears throat> does some things where they're like, okay, yeah, okay, AJ's back. AJ's here. Ooh, let's get something done before this July 15th deadline. And they work out some sort of extension. That would not shock me at all. Um, but you know, we're just going to have to kind of wait and see, unfortunately. All right. So they, so they took Joe Burrow first quarterback and then uh, wide receiver in the second round. And so then three of the last five rounds, they took linebackers. They addressed that linebacker position. That's been troublesome, uh, for the last couple of years. Uh, so of the, so you have Logan Wilson in the third round, uh, Akeem Davis, uh, Gaither, did you say, is that how you pronounce it? Uh, in the fourth, yep. uh, and then you had uh, Marcus Bailey in the last round from Purdue. So of those three linebackers, is there anybody that you see that's going to make a big impact right away? Yeah, I would think uh, Logan Wilson is a guy that they really, really like. They had him 
while they took him in the, the top of the third, they had him with a high to mid second round grade. Um, they were super excited to get him, um, listen to a couple of interviews that um, their scouts and uh, their offense, our defensive coordinator did. And they were, you know, kind of counting down the picks as it was coming to them. And they were, you know, getting excited because they were looking, okay, who's next, who's next, who's next. And they got down to Seattle picks right before them. And they knew that Seattle had taken a linebacker in the first round. So they felt really good about being able to get Logan Wilson. And then the Carolina Panthers traded up just one pick in front of them. And because they just had Luke Keekley retire, they thought that they were going to lose Logan to um, Carolina. Yeah. But then Carolina ended up taking some safety. And so that let Logan Wilson fall to them at the top of, uh, at the, top of the third round. So uh, they're super excited about this guy. I think he's, I mean, he, I think he's like 6'2", 240, uh, runs really well, can cover, which has obviously been uh, an Achilles heel for the Bengals linebacker position for years. Um, so they're really excited about him. I would expect uh, Akeem Davis Gaither and uh, Marcus Bailey to contribute a lot on special teams. Okay. Um, you know, uh, eventually becoming, if well, when you do have three linebackers, you're going to have, you know, Akeem Davis Gaither, you're going to have uh, Logan Wilson, and then you'll have Jermaine uh, Pratt from last year mm-hmm. uh, as, as three modern-day linebackers, which I don't know that we've had one modern-day linebacker. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, perfect. when perfect was perfect, he was still 250, 260, you know, heavy dude who could, who, who could read and react, but he's not that, you know, cover a tight end, cover a running back, you know, pass coverage, that type of stuff. That was just never the type of guys that they had. So it's good to see them finally address the position and finally make moves. And I think it's a great idea to triple down on the position because that one, they didn't have anybody there previous yeah. to the draft. And two, all right, you swing and you miss once. We still got two others. You swing and you miss twice. Well, okay, we got one good linebacker out of the three, which is still better than what you had before. And not only that, but they went out and picked up Josh Bynes in free agency, who is a good veteran guy to be able to help these guys. So you have they really picked up four four NFL style linebackers yeah, this offseason into a position that they had zero. Absolutely. Um, the the remaking first of all, the gutting of and then the remaking of this defense is extraordinary. Like, utterly mind-blowing the amount of work and change that went into this offseason and this this defense. To, you know, to start off with DJ Reader, who is one of the top nose tackles in the league, and paying him the amount of money that they did was like, oh, wow. The Bengals, you know, a couple days in, but still like... Mm-hmm. Hey, we got a top-notch dude. Wow, that was that was nice to see that they actually did something. And I think everybody was kind of like, okay, I'm. They're probably not going to do anything else. I'm pretty content with that. That was cool. And then Trey Wayne's comes, and you're like, wait, what? And then uh, the the other cornerback from uh, Minnesota comes, and you're like, wait, what what's happening right now? 
and then Brock Bond signed, and then they signed a couple other people, and then it's like, wow, this is the best offseason they've ever had, and this is great, and this is wonderful. And then, like, four days later, Von Bell signs, and you're like, what is happening right now? <laughs> that was the one. The Von Bell was huge. Yeah. How, how, how do the Bengals continue to get free agents when all you ever hear is, I mean, during this Joe Burrow deal, it was nothing but how terrible the Bengals are. You shouldn't go there. Don't do this. But yet they were still able to get out and sign these guys. Does that just show you that the media – uh, makes up their own stories, or is it more uh, the the coaching staff really turning a corner and selling this team differently? So, well, the one, yes, the national media. If you if you want to know what's going on with a team, and especially with the Bengals, read it local. Because Stephen A. Smith can tell you anything <laughs> you need to know about us, right? And, and read and only read them because. The moment you step outside of the greater Cincinnati area, it's old storylines, it's speculation, it's what we think we know, it's, you know, oh, well, Mike Brown's cheap, oh, well, you know, the Bengals don't spend money, oh, well, they don't value winning, oh, well, I mean, okay, like the last two quarterbacks we've had have been good to really good in relatively recent memory of, of Ken Anderson to Boomer Assassin to Carson Palmer to Andy Dalton, how can you say this is a place that quarterback come to die? Like, that's just the most asinine and, and uneducated about a team that I've ever seen people report. It's the perfect storm of it's the perfect it's the perfect idea of anybody can find something uh, can find a stat or find something to prove their point. So you hear Klingler, 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 Klingler. Okay, one one guy that got put on his ass way too much for his own good because we had no offensive line. But there was a lot of really good quarterbacks that came before and after him. Correct, correct. Um, you know, I mean, even even Achilles Smith, who was by his own admission, terrible. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I don't know who fell in love with that pick. I don't know if it was Mike Brown. I don't know what, it, but you know, I read a couple of stories where um, I think it was Ken Anderson and maybe Bruce Coslett had gone out to talk to Oregon's head coach about Achilles Smith and said, Hey man, I know he was in the program, but he only started his senior year. Like why? What, what, what took so long? He was amazing his, his final year. And his coach straight up looked at him and was like, I can't I can't trust him. Yeah. Mm. Now, you can't trust a kid in college to do what's right. Now you're going to give him millions of dollars and expect him to do what's right in the NFL? Are you insane? <laughs> like, why would you do that? And so I think once Mike Brown decided, okay, let me surround myself a little more with football people, starting with Marvin Lewis, and let football people, yes, he's still interjected at times, but let football people start making more of the football decisions. Then you come up with a dude like Carson Palmer. Then you come up with the Chad Johnsons and the TJ Hushmanzadas and the Rudy Johnsons and the Willie Andersons and those guys. Then you come up with the Andy Daltons and the AJ Greens and the Michael Perfects and the Dino Atkins and the Carlos Dunlops of the world. Um, you know, and now moving into this into this next generation of the Tyler Boyds, the T. Higgins, the Joe Burrows, you know, uh, Carl Lawson, Sam Hubbard, those dudes. It's 
it's a new day, it's a new time, it's a new era, and I'm super excited to see where they go. Yeah, speaking to, speaking of myself. speaking of, of of jumping into a new era, so that means, um, and, and I think. I, I at least I was still a little bit unsure what was going to, what was going to happen when they drafted Joe Burrow and Andy Dalton was still the quarterback quarterback on this team as well. Um, it, it seemed like I think we talked all season or all off season. A lot of people did about how Andy Dalton was most likely going to get going to get traded. But then as time went on and he was still around, I thought, wow, maybe they go into to next season and actually have some sort of a, you know, a competition for that spot. Uh, and then they get, they, they did, uh, they did release him, right? Was it, was it a release or I forget exactly. Yeah, what it, it. yeah. So they released him. And then, like you said, Dallas signed him. Um, so hopefully he gets an opportunity there. Uh, although I guess it'll be behind Dak Prescott, but, um, but what, what would you say is the, is sort of the legacy. I hate to use that because it's such a cliche term sure. now, but um, what, sure. what would you say is kind of the legacy of Andy Dalton specifically or individually and the time that he was here for the Bengals? So, first and foremost, Andy Dalton is an amazing human being. Straight class. You can't, you can't talk about him as a football player and, and as a member of the Cincinnati Bengals without starting there. Mm-hmm. And what good for better and for worse unfortunately that that's where you have to start with him it it's more so about what a great person he is what a great human being he is what a great community member he was all of those wonderful wonderful things unfortunately as a as a fan of the Bengals it doesn't start with what a fantastic football player yeah right what an what an amazing leader what a stud on the field and what a great guy no it's what a great guy and he was pretty decent playing football too yeah um but what is the truth right when when people talk about andy dalton what's the first thing that they say yeah what a great guy great guy what a, they either say what a great guy or wish he could make that throw yeah, now I wish he wouldn't throw that ball out of bounds on fourth down. That would be awesome. <laughs> yes. At the uh, same time, took him to how many? He falls six yards out of bounds instead of up the sideline. Yes, that would be great. And, and at the um, same time, did take the did take some teams to the playoffs, however many years yeah. in a row. Um, and, and, five. Yeah, four. five years in a row. Technically, technically, he led them for five, but he played in four. Okay, right. Uh, so, but he did. I mean, and, and it with this franchise, the history of this franchise, especially if you were alive through the '90s, like we all were, um, that feels, you know, that that felt like. Uh, and after the Carson Palmer and Chad Johnson era was over, we kind of thought, "Oh my gosh, are we going to go through another decade, decade and a half of what we did in the '90s again?" And then, you know, like you said, it could have been a lot better, but it could have been a lot worse too, right? Yeah, and I think so. I think Andy helped to set a new standard and and brought a level of respectability and professionalism to the Bengals that was different than the Carson Palmer, Chad Johnson era, right? Mm-hmm. I think Chad was the face of that team, and it was entertainment. It was fun. It was funny. It was, yeah, we win some games, but... 
wow, what, what did Chad do this week? What dance did he do this week? Or what, what kind of crazy antics did he pull and whatever? Once Andy came, it became a standard of we're making the playoffs. We're going to be competitive. Uh, we're going to be in every game. They're going to be close. We're not going to turn the ball over. Like It, it became um, just a really good, really good brand of football that had its warts. You know, mm-hmm. if it was Sunday at one o'clock, we probably legit had a 75% chance of winning, and I don't care who we were playing. I'm yeah. totally with that. If it if it was Monday night at eight o'clock, we had a ten eh, percent, maybe fifteen, <laughs> yeah. maybe turn the lights on. Right? If it's Thursday night, ugh. Yeah. Here we go. Especially if okay. it's against Pittsburgh, right? If right. If <laughs> anybody if it's the playoffs <laughs> after if it's the playoffs after especially after that San Diego game. And I, I, I really think that that's where Andy Dalton's uh, legacy took a turn for the worst. Mm-hmm. Because your first year you played Houston and, you know, you, you're the Jets. I can't remember which one it was, but, like, you weren't even supposed to be in the playoffs. You, everybody thought you were going 0-16. You made 97. You made the playoffs. Great. The next first year, Jets, yeah, Jets. The second year you play on the road in Houston, which is tough to do. And J.J. Watt was ridiculous and all right fine even yeah. with a backup quarterback yeah correct tj yates or whatever that dude's name was <laughs> but um that third year when you had san diego at home after you smacked them earlier in the year like that was supposed to be the time to make it happen and to show okay we can get over this hump and make this move and when they fell flat on their faces, whether it was the run defense getting ran rough shot over, whether it was Giovanni Bernard, you know, fumbling the ball right before halftime. Yeah, sure. All of those things happen. But ultimately, it comes down to the quarterback and it comes down to the head coach. And once they couldn't beat San Diego, it really got in their heads that we this game. And that was the time it was done. As, as real good as 2015 was, and man, I really wish we all could have seen what they could have done because that might have been their second bite of the apple to try and turn that around. Outside of that, that got in their heads and they were never the same. I totally agree. Andre, uh, uh, if you're eating Doritos, are you a nacho cheese Dorito guy or are you a Cool Ranch Dorito guy? Definitely nacho cheese. Oh, wow. I'm old school, man. Hmm. Uh, I hate to tell you this, but Cool Ranch Doritos are almost just as old school as Nacho Cheese Doritos are now. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. No doubt. No doubt. Cool Ranch Doritos oh. make your breast stink, man. I can't do it. Ah, ah, that don't bother me one bit. <laughs> yeah, Chris's breath always stinks no matter what, so it doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> just it's kidding. True. I'm totally it's kidding. I go through a pack of mints a day. Can't get it out. <laughs> Onions, garlic, ranch, you name it, dude. I'm munching on all of it. That's that's the only reason I'm not there doing this in his basement like we always do. I, I'm using COVID-19 as the excuse, but really I just couldn't do his breath anymore in the same room. <laughs> I can be nice about it now. Yes. <laughs> no. Well, okay, so I, I won't ask you to, to put a grade on the draft, but just – and you really have kind of touched on this uh, through our conversation here, but just your overall feeling – 
going into next season, whether it starts on time or late or whatever's going to happen with next season, um, you're just your, your overall feeling compared to how we ended, how the Bengals ended the season last year, and going into this season, a million times more excited or just a little bit. You're just kind of you're you're creeping into it, kind of kind of being cautious about your optimism or, or what, how do you feel? So, end of last season is really weird because you would think you finished two and fourteen super frustrating like ah, it's so annoying like you new coach new other but everything is just the same and you just felt you would think you felt like crap but being two and 14 and knowing at that moment you were going to get the number one draft choice and knowing that joe burrow was going to be that pick regardless of what the offseason narratives were and all this other crap that was going on nobody had started that talk at that point in time so you know end of November or end of end of middle to end of December, you saw what Joe Burrow was doing. It was like, dear God, we need that guy. Oh crap. We finished two and 14 and got the number one pick. That's going to be our quarterback. Sweet. So I honestly, I felt pretty good because it was like, yeah, that year sucked, but we got an opportunity to draft the best quarterback in, in college football coming out next year. And then you coupled that, with an unprecedented spending spree in free agency to the tune of like 140, $150 million for eight players. Wait, what? Who, wait, who? (laughs) Yeah. And not just, not just overspending on random names, but like names that I've heard of before and dudes that I've watched and been like, yo, that dude's amazing. Or you, that dude's yeah. Wow. Okay, cool. All of a sudden they play here. And it's like, whoa, what is happening? And then to to watch the draft and, you know, put to rest all the ridiculous stories that were going around and whatnot, but, like, to finally see Joe Burrow be a Bengal. And then to follow that up immediately with T. Higgins, and it's like, man, it's A.J. Green and Andy Dalton in reverse, but all over again, right? It's exactly you watch the next era of Bengals football come into play right in front of your eyes you know there's still some holdover of the Geno Atkins and the Carlos Dunlap which by the way I think Geno is going to have a monster year playing next to DJ Reader this year watch mm. out good lord have mercy that's for sure my goodness because DJ Reader is a monster <laughs> so you put those two dudes next to each other and good luck offense but um you know, I, I would say I am probably more excited for a Bengals season to start than I have been in probably, I'd say at least three or four years. Sure. Um, because I was, while I was, my interest was peaked when uh, they hired Zach Taylor, just because it's something different than Marvin Lewis for the past 16 years. Um, I knew what they had on the team. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't good. Yeah. And they didn't make any changes. And they didn't really play in free agency. And the draft was while they picked players that they had to pick in like Jonah Williams. Then they messed around and picked like Drew Sample. And it was like, what what are we doing? Like uh, I like to say they it was it. so while the excitement for a new coach was there, 
that was pretty much the only thing I was excited for. I wasn't excited about the players on the field, that's for sure. Um, but this year, seeing them add outside talent, seeing them add some of the best players in the draft, seeing them spend money, uh, this kind of renewed excitement from the coaching staff to say, nope, this is our team and we're putting our stamp on it and we're moving forward and doing things differently than we've ever done and all this stuff that is super exciting. And while it may only translate into, you know, three to five more wins uh, than, than, than what it did last year, we start on that path and that trajectory and you throw another draft and another free agency period behind that. Let's go. Very good. Now that makes me feel a little bit better about it because I'll, I'll tell you, especially with the, with the Joe Burrow draft pick and everything, getting on Twitter and just seeing like the over optimism of Bengals fans. Sometimes I'm like, Oh my gosh, get a grip. But hearing you say that, you have much more depth to the uh, to the reasons why you feel good. So I feel like you you actually have you like a. Me saying, you kidding? We're gonna be great. It's, 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 no it's at all. But even listen to what. But if you listen to what I said, I'm looking for, you know, a marginal increase. I'm not saying sure. in the right direction. Playoffs. I'm not saying winning record. I'm not saying any of that. I'm saying let's take a step forward. Two and fourteen is terrible. Like, and I want people to know and understand that. That is terrible. But it is also really, really, really difficult to go from two and fourteen to nine and seven to ten and six to eleven and five. Like that's a giant leap, especially when you're doing it with a second year coaching staff, a rookie quarterback, a ton of questions on the offensive line. Like there are still issues and problems with this team that need to be solved and need to be resolved by the time we get to and into the season with that being said we can still take a step forward as a franchise and we can still move in the right direction and that is what is exciting to me that's exactly yeah that's that's exactly why uh why that? Why your opinion means that much more to me? You are cautiously optimistic because you're a realist, and you know you know what realistically to probably expect. But also, there there are reasons to be to be excited about this team. So I love it. Um, the the uh, the last thing I have then before we let you go to bed, old man, is um, which is scarier, COVID nineteen or murder hornets? Yo, seriously. <laughs> I'm like, it, I'm pretty sure 2020 is the apocalypse, man. I'm telling you. It's here, brother. I'm just waiting for some horses to come ride with yeah. people with no heads. And yeah, no, seriously, the rapture is upon us, boys. It's upon us. When, I, when I heard that term, mur- before I even saw them or knew anything about them, I just heard people talking about the word, mur- the term murder hornets. I'm like, I am never opening my front door of my house ever, ever again. Yeah, ever again. I thought it was a joke. I thought it was so did I. when I first saw it. I was like, oh, that's funny. Murder Hornets. That's next. Yeah. Yeah. No. Mm-mm. Murder Hornets. They're real. Uh, I mean, they're murdering bees, but yeah. they're, they're real. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm very, very weak. So if they are murdering bees, I'm sure I'm next on their list. So. Dude, it is, again, 2020 is the year of the rapture. It's a, <laughs> may, 
make your uh, say your prayers, do your rosaries and hail marys at night, boy, because man, that's a couple. Hey, speak, speak, speaking of prayers, real quick, I got one more for you. Mm-hmm. So, how many? How many? You have you have two kids, right? Mm-hmm. How old are they? Uh, twelve and eight. Twelve and eight. Okay, eight could still be there. So, uh, I have found the greatest way to get kids to sleep. Uh, my kids are four and six, so they still want me to lay with them almost every night before they go to bed. Okay. Sometimes they don't go to sleep. Ten Our Fathers, ten Hail Marys. By the time I get to seven, <laughs> yes. household. Nice. Cold. Nice. Give you a little heads up in case you ever have some issues. It's the greatest thing I've ever come up with. <laughs> yeah, but Chris, are you new version of those prayers, or are, aren't there aren't there like new words in certain parts? Or, uh, right? or are, uh, man, listen, I am old school Catholicism yeah, me to, too. <laughs> uh, to a fault. I am, when I go to church, because I, I do, we do the Christian stuff now, you know, more just, just, just yeah, Christian, yeah. not the heavy yeah. Roman yeah. Catholic deal uh, <laughs> like we did when we were all little. But I, when I do go to church for a baptism or a wedding or something yeah. like that still, I get so irritated because I pride myself on still knowing all the stuff and then but they you don't. Couple, they just changed <laughs> the word by. They just changed like two words in it. No, there was no point in doing that. Yeah, dude. It was, I so it was I, still, obviously, it was still obviously. like being in an army back then, and still being in an army now. So, <laughs> so I I grew up. Uh, my parents we we grew up Catholic, and uh, maybe a couple years ago, maybe yeah, maybe a couple years ago, went to a wedding that was all Catholic wedding. And I am no longer practicing Catholic. And so, like, saying to, to your point of, like, just jumping, jumping right in, old hat, you, you know, you know when to stand <laughs> up, when to kneel, when to back, oh, yeah. all that stuff. Like, I got, I got this. I got this. <laughs> yep. And then, like, I start to speak. And I'm like, yeah, and then we'll, we'll wait, what? What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, who changed, the, who changed the script and didn't tell me? Because I didn't get that bulletin that came out. Yeah. The words. When did this happen? Yeah. I want really to know how they did it. How did they do it? Because I, I mean, it's not like I've been gone for a long time. Did they ease it in one word every like two years? Yeah. Or did, all, did they just know. say one day, everybody, this is the new way we're saying things, and just have like a breakdown in the middle of church? Like, and did people get to vote on what words that they wanted to use? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know that didn't happen. Not in the Catholic Church. <laughs> or it was like. Like, did the Pope get an epiphany and all of a sudden was like, yo, we really need to change these words. <laughs> that new Pope, he's a hipper Pope, man. He's like, man, we got to make some changes here. During those parts, I've become one of those people that is one of my biggest pet peeves that when a song comes on and they think they know it and they sing along to it, but they don't really know the words. So they're just kind of like making noises along with the words. But they're but they're not hiding it that they don't really know the words. That drives me insane, and I become one of those people. Yeah. What do you yeah. think about those people? Give me an honest opinion. If you saw one of those people, what were the words that would come out of your mouth under your breath, of course, towards that person? Just don't sing along because you clearly don't know the words. Here's the deal. Here's the deal, Adam Schmidt. I am that guy. <laughs> I know you 100% are. 100% Chris Wick. My wife hates it more than anything. She tells me all the time, please let them sing so I can hear the real words. <laughs> and I'm going to tell you right now, no. 
I enjoy it, and I will hum the parts that I don't know. I will make up my own words for other parts. But daggone it, music is to make you feel good, and it makes me feel good. So if I keep forgetting, don't stop me. That's all I can say. To each their own, don't hate me because you can't have as much fun as I am. As one of my homeboys used to say, he'd be like, hey, man, who sings this song? And he'd be like, uh, Michael Jackson. He'd be like, exactly. <laughs> yeah, Let him that. sing it, yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, my gosh. All right, Andre. Yeah, we, nobody says that to you, Andre. You've got, like, you have the vocal cords of an angel. Yeah. <laughs> it's, like yeah. a, it's like a mix between Fergie and Jesus. And Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god alright Andre we are not going to keep you up any longer uh, you have given us way more as you always do way more of your time than we deserve uh, thank you so 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 very much for giving your uh, us your insight on the Bengals draft and the offseason and all this other goofy stuff we've bothered you with tonight anytime boys it is always 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 my pleasure uh, love it enjoy it and uh, look forward to talking again soon. We All love right. you, family. Be good, bub. Yes, sir. Thank you, Andre. See you. See you. All right, Andre Edwards, everybody. We thank as him always, as always. This yeah. dude is as good as it gets. And I'm telling you, we, we, we talked about it to start. Follow him on Twitter. I'm telling you one of the best follows you will have on Twitter. For me, it, it's Super 70 Sports. That account is like the best Andre Edwards is right there with it, and there are a few others that are pretty good too, but I'm telling you, at Andre Edwards 06 on Twitter, follow him. You will be happy you did that. There's no there's no doubt about it. He's, he, he is one of my favorites because I, I stopped listening to a, I stopped uh, following a lot of people, uh, sports people, because they'll get into politics and stuff like that. Yeah. And Andre will throw... Uh, we'll throw some, it's not political, but it's, uh, it's, uh, I don't know, just, just, uh, things that are going on in the world today. Sure. But when he does it, it's in a whole different aura of funny and, and slight sarcasm. And you, you just, he just has fun with it. And he under, I feel like Andre understands Twitter. I still don't understand it. <laughs> yeah. Right. I don't understand it. That's why I don't tweet. I, uh, but I feel like if you're going to follow somebody at Andre Edwards 06, is it 06? Yes. Yeah, at Andre Edwards 06, that's the guy to follow because he gets Twitter, and it's phenomenal. He does. And, and you you uh, don't give yourself enough credit on Twitter. I know you're not on there a ton, but when you do, you love your baseball and you love all the other good sports stuff, so, so you're a good follow too, and you are at – Sick-witted, I'll just say it for you, S-I-C-W-H-I-T-T-I-T, and I am at Adam Schmidt 44 so if you decide to follow us, uh, go for it, but follow follow it's Andre. A of, it's a, go ahead. No, I was going to say, follow Andre first, and then follow Chris second, and if you have any more room, go ahead and follow me, but go for, go for it. What were you going to say? I promise that I will not fill your timeline up with, uh, with any tweets from me, but there will be a whole lot of hearts uh, hearts for Xavier basketball, yeah. uh, Major League Baseball in general, and really funny videos. I've I seen... love the, the ping pong ball stuff. I wish yeah. I had the time to do those things because they look so much fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've, I've seen a couple really good things just from you liking them on there. They popped up on my feed because you like them. Um, 
So uh, anyway, Chris, let's we got you know we've spent uh, so much time these last three weeks on the last dance, right? Yes. And uh, yes. so we had episodes five and six. We're over halfway uh, through now on this doc on this ten part documentary. I'm I'm already starting to get sad that it's gonna be in two weeks is gonna be over. You know. It is so terrible when the even number episode starts. Because I know in about 45 minutes, I'm not going to get to watch another episode. Yeah, I know it. Um, but but we did get to enjoy episodes five and six this past week. So <clears throat> jumping right into those, um, what were, uh, let's see, first thing that, that I think of is, and look, we were told, <laughs> we were kind of told that, uh, or I, I thought that episode five was going to be, was like dedicated to Kobe Bryant. And they did the first like five minutes had Kobe. It was it was the '98 All Star Game when right. when when Kobe and Michael went against each other, and um, and that was uh, that was a, a really 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 special game for Kobe because he's the biggest Jordan fan in the world, and uh, and he talked a lot about that game himself. And they sh- they showed all the the interactions on the floor between he and Michael and. And uh, stuff that he was, he you know, talked about stuff he was asking Michael. But it was just the first few minutes, you know. And, and it was still, it was nice. It was a nice thing to, to kind of give Kobe a little time on this documentary and, and make people remember, uh, you know, how important he was, uh, how important Jordan was to him and that kind of relationship. And, and thinking back to Kobe's memorial service and, and Michael speaking there and, and all that kind of stuff. So that was a nice, that was a nice piece there. Um, I totally agree. The, the best part about that for me, the best part about the Kobe thing for me was uh, was the the Grant Hill. <laughs> While Michael keeps talking, Michael is just talking trash about Kobe Bryant the whole time. He's bringing it every time. I'm going to make him bring it on this end, too. I'm doing this end. And, and Grant Hill's like, listen, I'm just going to tell you right now, brother. I ain't jumping with him. Yeah. I ain't getting on a poster. I'm not going to be on a poster. Grant Hill, known as one of the greatest jumpers of all time, obviously at that point in his career he had had, you know, five billion ankle surgeries and was not the leaper that he was in college or even his first couple of years in the NBA. Right. But he's like, Man, you might as well forget it. I ain't jumping with this fool. Yeah, there ain't no way I'm getting on a poster. That yep. cracked me <laughs> up. That was that funny. Was funny. That was funny, and then they uh, kind of the first part, the first big thing that that stood out was the story behind the whole shoe thing. Now, Michael, yeah. shoes are so much bigger in popularity, and and you know they they have everything to do with uh, status and um, just I mean, th- there's a whole industry that I don't know. I was gonna say quadruple quadrupled or whatever, but it's way more than that. Probably multiplied by a thousand times in size. Because of Michael Jordan specifically, and and you know Nike was the was the brand that he uh, chose, but he didn't choose that. The story behind that that went you know through college and when he entered the NBA, he did not have a shoe contract and he preferred Adidas. Adidas were his favorite shoes to wear, and he wanted to sign with Adidas before. Yeah, I had heard about this before. Yeah, that that it was not his first choice to go with Nike. Uh, I never did get it. I've never heard all, or maybe I don't remember hearing as much about the background of it Mm -hmm. where Converse basically said, we got too many great players. We're not, 
we don't even care about you. Yeah. Uh, that sucks for them. Uh, and then Adidas literally just says, we are f- not falling apart, but we just don't have it together right now yeah. to make you an offer. That to, and, and the reason that that's so crazy is, like you said, because of where the shoe game, in quotes, the shoe game has come in our lives now. Like, there's literally, there's a new thing called a sneakerhead. It's not new, but, you know, you, they have sneakerheads. Like, entire, people have entire closets filled with gym shoes. A lot of people that do that kind of thing, they're filled with Jordans. It started with Jordan. Jordan, and and I don't know that I can necessarily say Michael Jordan is the reason that that happened because I'm going to tell you right now, Nike put a lot of money behind the advertising and a lot of the, and had a lot of the ideas and everything else. So, just the if even if it wasn't his first pick, the fact that that married up that might have changed the world more than just his game. That created a new that I was watching that and I got cold chills like Michael Jordan is always known as era changing as a player and the greatest of all time greatest of his era but he literally changed the way everybody everybody dresses on a day to day basis yeah I mean there are people that wear his sneakers with uh with 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 uh, a suit and and like they even said it talking about the i think it was the sevens you know when he did the or the sixes maybe or when he did the patent leather mm-hmm. uh because he said he wanted a he wanted a shoe that you could wear with a suit so they put patent leather on it yeah <laughs> one of my favorite shoes but one of my favorite ones as well by the way yeah mine too um yeah, I, I mean, I feel like I've seen, you've probably seen videos and pictures of, of people wearing like uh, entire bridal parties on the groom side yeah. wearing Jordans, yeah. right, with their, yeah. uh, and, and their weddings. Um, something that if I ever get married, I would consider. Uh, but I... Yeah, uh, the thing is, dude, is, is as the groom, you got to buy everybody those shoes. Yeah, that's I know, because the they're 200 the bucks kids. now, right? Yeah, that's the wedding... <laughs> They were a hard bucks thirty years ago. That's crazy. That is insane. I know. That's why I they Justin Timberlake talking about saving up money and waiting in line at Foot Locker and all this stuff. Dude, there were kids that skipped school when I where I was at when I was in school. They skipped school when Jordans came out to go to the mall to get Jordans. Yeah. I to this day have never owned. A pair of I've owned a pair of shoes that were Jordan brand. They're called Mellows, but I've never had one of Michael's shoes. I've never had a pair of Air Jordans. Man, and it to this day it 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 hurts. But there were a hundred and five dollars when they first came out, and they did nothing but go up. Yeah, and there was no way anybody in my house was paying that kind of money for a pair of shoes. I if I got thirty bucks and it was. And it, and it was always uh, had to go to shoe carnival and do the uh, buy one get one half off. That's the only <laughs> way we got shoes. That's 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 no joke. That's when we got shoes when shoe carnival did the buy one get one half off. Yeah, yeah, we did. Uh, we would we would make the the drive to the Nike outlet store, and there were fewer back then when we were growing up. So we would drive yes. down to Dry Ridge, Kentucky, like two hours away, to go to the Nike outlet store because mom and dad weren't going to pay a hundred bucks. 
for uh, some some good basketball shoes because those same shoes the next year were going to be like fifty at, at the exactly. at the outlet store. So yep. uh, so anyway, but yeah, once I once I got old enough to have my own job and have enough income to buy something like that, and, and and even when I was young enough to have just enough money and really not that still wasn't a good purchase because I didn't have that much money to spend on something like that, but I would still, I would still spend it on stuff like that. Yeah, they were, they were, you know, and I thought, Oh my gosh, $105 shoes are supposed to be like 60 bucks, you know? And, uh, it was, it was hard to fathom then, but I I did it a few times and then, but now I can't, I cannot bring myself to spend 200 or more dollars on shoes. That's insane. It's insane. And if you want to go back and get some old retro ones, dude, you to get the legit ones, like they got ways of telling too, depending on if the you know they got they they came back out with the ones again, but it doesn't say Air Jordan, doesn't have the old Air Jordan on it. It's the Hangman or the uh, Jumpman, Hangman. Yeah. It's the Jumpman. Uh, so you can tell if they're the real ones or not. So I got a question for you now that, since we're talking about the shoes. Sure. What Jordans were your all-time favorites? It was. I remember you were big. If I could, yeah, I'm gonna guess real quick. Was it the 11s? Yeah, that's the one with the with the patent leather around the bottom, right? In the yeah. Yep, or just around the bottom. Yep, you had the black with the. I, I even wrote it on a little note here. I remember you wore them forever. Yes. I got them. I you know I did for like I wore them and I wore them all the way out like I wore them so that I could not wear them anymore and then I kept them for like four more years just to sit in my room (laughs) even though they were nasty I wore them to play basketball for I and they were my indoor only basketball shoes for a long 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 time but I wore them so much and played so much basketball in them that they were disgusting and smelled terrible and they were like the soles were all completely worn out um yeah, and then I kept them for a while after that. So yes, you are a hundred percent right. I'm very impressed. I was just looking at some uh, earlier today, actually, uh, not to buy, just they were posted somewhere on social media or whatever. I was like, oh man, I love those things. Yep. Uh, so, but anyway, they were, I, they were good. Those are great. Yeah. I, I have to say that those are probably those. Uh, I, I like the nines as well, but those were probably my favorites besides the originals. Yeah. The two sucked. Uh, the original, um, <laughs> except for the fact that they made Michael's feet bleed. Um, <laughs> I, they, I don't understand how all of a sudden, like you wore those shoes for years, and then I guess you're old and you're used to your feet are used to something <laughs> different. But he said his feet were soaked in blood. Yeah, that's gross. That's gross. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I, I'm sure because they were a brand new pair of shoes. And he even said like before they before he like in the locker room before he went out, he, he talked about the innovation changing so much over 10 years or nine yeah. years or whatever it was. Um, yeah. Meaning like, you know, shoes are made for your feet to be comfortable a lot more now than they were in 85 or whatever. Uh, right. But the, the thing I love, though, about him signing with – he did, he refused to even take a meeting. He was not going to go to the meeting with Nike. And his mom, right. Sweet Dolores, said, you need to go. You're going. Come on. We're all going. Let's go. He, she, she ushered him out the door. She got him on the plane. And, and, and he's like, all right, I'll do it for you because you're telling me to. And uh, so they went. And then not only that, mom got him there. And he still wasn't – excited about it and then they offered him two hundred thousand dollars chris two hundred thousand dollars to sign a contract for nike to be his shoe 
and uh, and his dad's like, "You're insane if you don't take it. You need to take this deal, okay?" It was basically twice as much as what they were giving Larry Bird and the best players at that time. So yeah, yeah at that point, you'd be dumb not to take it. Right. And I think that I'm, I'm sure Michael at that point, Michael's a pretty savvy dude, man. Once that came out, where you're going to be making double what everybody else is on a shoe on a shoe deal, he jumped on it, and obviously from there it just exploded because you had uh, was it the threes when when Mars came in with uh, with Spike Lee uh, when that whole thing started, and uh, you know that it, it it jumped off and went absolutely crazy from there. Now he's a billionaire because of it. So yeah, yeah, and he, yeah, he has income constant income still from those because he's still releasing new jordans and um yeah and then he signed all these great players to his brand now and uh yeah he's he's set for his great 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 grandchildren are set for life yeah he's gonna be good for a while so the that uh after the whole shoe deal then they talked uh, a lot more about, and they touched on it a little bit the previous week, but they, they talked a lot more about the Dream Team in 92, right? Because then now we're going chronologically kind of. Uh, the previous week they talked about the first finals where he they finally got over uh, got over on the, the Pistons, um, and, then they, and then they beat the Lakers for their first championship. Now it's 92, and uh, they, they're going through the gauntlet again in the Eastern Conference, but then they um, – and they beat the Pistons again, and then they get to uh, Portland in the finals. And um, so, so they they fast forwarding basically, they beat them, they win their second straight championship, and that summer is the first time that USA basketball is going to use professional basketball players from the United States for their Olympic team. So, Daly better not play me more than ten minutes. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) yeah. He was he he played so yeah he played through June the last two years, and uh, now he's got to play all summer long in Barcelona, and uh, so yeah so Rod Thorne who was uh, actually the Bulls general manager leading up to when Michael was drafted I think he was the general manager when Michael was drafted I want to say for the Bulls and then. left the year after and then Jerry Krause took over, but Rod Thorne was a general manager, a few other places and was in professional basketball the rest of his life. Um, but he was one of the main organizers of the dream team. So he called Michael and said, will you play? And Michael's question was, who's all playing? Who's playing? Right. So, uh, and, and he didn't have to say his name and he did not say his name. Michael said he didn't say his name and Rod Thorne said he did not say anybody's name but they all knew it was insinuated that he meant is Isaiah playing, right? I knew Michael Jordan and the Bulls had their thing with Pistons. I, I'm going to be completely honest with you. I never realized he, to this day, does not like I, – I think he even used the word hate. Like I, I don't think he said hate, but he, said he, he does not like Isaiah Thomas. Completely respects his game. Calls him the second best point guard. Uh, behind Magic Johnson, that's incredible because there's a whole lot of other point guards that are great. Anyway, uh, but that, that that's I didn't never realize how much he hated Isaiah Thomas. I hope I hope and pray that he wasn't the reason that Isaiah wasn't on the team. I really hope it was for the reasons he said, which was if you put Isaiah on that team, it would have been a completely di- different atmosphere. Uh, you know, there was just so many people on that team that didn't like Isaiah Thomas 
besides Michael Jordan, that it would have been bad chemistry for the team. So I hope that's the reason why, because I'm never a fan of somebody using their weight, pushing their weight around to keep somebody out of something. I don't, because uh, because Isaiah was good, obviously. He was, if, if he was as good as Michael said he was, um, anyway. Yeah, if that's the thing, like Michael was a big enough star to probably make that happen. If he would have said to Rod Thorne straight up, "I will play, but I will not play if Isaiah Thomas is on the team," I can see a scenario where they say, "Okay, sorry, Isaiah," you know, and they might yeah. not say like Michael's the reason, but they would take Michael Jordan over Isaiah Thomas for sure on that team, right? Um, not only right yeah not only for uh his play on the floor but for the the his fame around the world like michael jordan was a global icon already in 92 so uh but it didn't have to come down to michael and that's what they talked about several other guys for the same reasons that michael didn't scotty was even more outspoken about it than michael was and larry bird couldn't stand him um, Magic, even though he and Isaiah Thomas were really close friends for a long time, that it, you know, the the year before was the whole thing where Magic came out, had to retire for a while because he he had found out he had HIV, and then it was in the media where Isaiah mentioned something about not being sure about his uh, Magic sexuality, and um, and uh, Magic took kind so of weird took to offense. Hear from Isaiah Thomas, because I'm not sure about Isaiah Thomas's sexuality. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, now so I'll be completely honest with you. Uh, I, I it was insinuating that last week when we talked about it, but I'll just say it now. <laughs> yeah, no, but so so there was there were several guys, and because um, you know Magic had his thing with Isaiah for that reason, but everybody else was kind of the same deal because the Pistons didn't just play the way they played, were borderline dirty, sometimes over border dirty. Uh, against the yeah. Bulls, it was against everybody. My uh, Larry Bird probably fought Bill Lambeers fifteen times, man. You know, Larry Bird <laughs> hated his guts, and he didn't like Isaiah for the same reason. They were they were you know the the, the kind of the two got well Rick Mahorn really, but um, but Bill Lambeer and Isaiah followed right along, and Isaiah was a leader on that team, and he would do whatever he needed to do to to uh, foul you hard or make you think about driving the lane or whatever. Um, so everybody, everybody had the same feeling that Michael did. So it wasn't just Michael, um, and, and it really was. You could tell by the way everybody was talking about it. It would have affected the chemistry in a very negative way. They probably still would have just blown through and won the gold medal because the closest game they played was like 32 points. Um, but, was that the Croatia game against uh, against yeah, two coach? Yeah, it was. Um, so and that so Isaiah Thomas aside. So that was a that was a big deal, and it was it was kind of interesting to hear everybody's story again on that. Um, but yeah, the Ku coach thing was part of that dream team deal, and that was Michael and Scotty were starting to resent how much attention Tony Ku coach was getting before he even became a member of the Bulls, especially because of the fact that they would not sign. They weren't. They hadn't done a deal with Scotty at that point in time. Yeah. So. And that's all they're talking about is the fact that they drafted Tony Kukoc and they've got his rights and they just are dying and, and, and you know bloodthirsty over this kid. And the and the guy that they didn't like their little their little uh, little brother that they like to pick on because he's the ugly yeah. duckling or whatever Jerry Krause. <laughs> Jerry Krause was in love with Tony Kukoc and they knew that and they resented Tony Kukoc because they didn't care for Jerry Krause. Yeah. 
and he loved Tony Kukoc so much. So they wanted to send a message like, hey, we don't think you're as good as Jerry Krause does, and, and we're going to show you what it's going to be like and what we expect out of you and how tough this is going to be when you come over to here. And and they were like, we're taking him. They would not – they wouldn't hear it from Chuck Daly. Michael and Scotty were guarding Tony Kukoc, and they guarded him the first time they played them as, as tough as anybody played anybody in the Olympics. In the Olympics, yes. I was going to say, for the Olympics, that was as hard as anybody on the Dream Team played. Yes, uh, and they did. They they really wore him out. I forgot. I think he had like four points or something that first game, and he was the best, like widely known as the best European player at that time. Um, yeah. Not just in Croatia, but – European player, um, so 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 they gave him a hard time, and, and poor Tony Kukoc. We finally got to see him a little bit and hear from him a little bit in this one, and he's yeah. like, "Man, I, I'm feeling like, what did I do to these guys? I, you know, he <laughs> kind of felt a little sorry for him." Yeah. Um, but uh, so that that was uh, yeah, that, that, and then the I'm all over the place. I'm sorry. I'm I'm just like talking like crazy, but I could. This is the topic that I could talk about for yeah. ever and not shut up. Um, but the, the the and we've seen it because the Dream Team documentary from a few years ago, right? I, I watched it fifteen times. I had it sure. on my DVR for like two years. Um, yeah. But that was you saw the the practices, all the trash talk that between my, mostly Michael and Magic. Um, Greatest thing in the world. I love that. You love that. I love every second. Of that. Yeah, and those guys. A lot of those guys have, have said. Those were the best basketball games I've ever been around. I've ever played or seen or anything yeah. ever. And uh, were those practices that they were going against each other. It's insane. Um, yeah. So so those were really fun to, to watch again. And, and it was a lot of it was mostly the same footage and a lot of the same stories and, and that kind of stuff from the dream team and seeing them win the, the gold medal and then the, the kind of the branding thing came back around when they got the gold medal and Michael decided he wasn't going to show the Reebok logo on their on their uh, jacket. That was so great. And he they and when he's driving in the car and he said and he's and he's cussing out about uh, <laughs> I guess it's the guy from Reebok. Not he wasn't he wasn't cussing at the NBA. Somebody in the NBA who think was I think or the Olympics. I think it was some. Anyway, they said that uh, they he, something would happen if they didn't wear the warm ups because he wasn't going to wear them because it said Reebok on it. And, you know, at that point in time, the Jordan brand was jumping off the world. Mm -hmm. So I was interested because he said, I'll show them I got something for them in the car on his driving up there. And I was like, dude, I don't remember Michael doing anything. Like, what? <laughs> what did he do? And then it was so great because he just draped the flag over that side of his shirt and it covered up the Reebok. And it could not have been any more Michael Jordan. And it was per it was such a smart way to do it too because it just looked like exactly. I've never exactly. I don't remember that story from back then and I just that's what I'm saying every yeah. time I've seen those clips I'm like oh yeah you just had a you know people just do that all the time people drape the flag over their shoulder yeah, or whatever. themselves in the flag all the time and it was so perfect and that that was another that you know one of these one of the things about this documentary <laughs> is that's reminding me. Um, and, and bringing me back to how big a fan I was of Jordan, but in a different way now, is how intelligent that guy is, man. He he is yeah, really he's way more he's way more smart and just way more savvy, street savvy, and and he's just a smart person. Like in just in general, he he just 
I don't know. He he just, he. I think he was raised really well, and he and he's just a just a generally smart guy. And you see it over and over and over. And you know, he said before this thing started, I feel like people are gonna hate me. Be or think I'm a terrible guy. Is I think is what he said during this thing. And I I don't you know. Yeah, they I talked about it. I haven't seen any of that yet because the whole that whole comment he made. I think maybe he thinks that people don't realize how big of a dick he was. On his teams, but everybody knows that already. Yeah. So there hasn't been anything new in that realm. Yeah, because because we started, and we'll talk about it in a second. The um, the the whole thing where he in episode six, uh, where he started saying like, "Man, I'm 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 about ready. The fame's really kind of getting to him, and I'm ready to kind of." And and that's when it it started coming out um, in that third championship season when they were getting ready to go to the finals that. Um, you know, the, all the gambling stuff started coming out. But before we get to that, the very so, last... I was say, before we get to that, I yeah. wanted to say something else about Tony Kukoc because uh, they, during during that Dream Team deal and, and they got, got into Tony Kukoc and they talked to him a little bit, uh, I was surprised they didn't get more into Tony Kukoc's role on the 97-98 team because Tony Kukoc was the third... He was the third option scoring-wise. I mean, sure. you hear Dennis Rodman, you know, was the third best player, if you want to say it. But Tony Kukoc was a was a third option and a really good third option at that, on that 97-98 team. Uh, well, through all three, all three championship teams that they had. But especially, you know, this is all about that last dance. So I thought they would bring it back more about that. And all they really did was just basically say, you know, uh, in the championship game, Tony Kukoc had a great game, and him and Scotty, Michael and Scotty, were like, "Hey, you know what? As this kid's pretty good. I think he could handle it, and that's he could he could play in the NBA." Like, and then it ended, and yeah. that was all with Tony. So I'm hoping there's more. Otherwise, I feel like, like that was a waste of Tony Kukoc. Yeah, there might be more. What I liked so much, uh, my favorite thing about the whole Tony Kukoc thing was. Um, that they, you know, they were talking about how how well respected he was around the world and in Europe and stuff. And they said like somebody compared him or, or made the made the statement that he was like the European magic or something like that. And then they showed a bunch yeah. of clips of him passing the ball. And I was like, man, I don't remember how good of a passer he was. And that's my favorite. When you're a great passer, Six that's my ball, yeah. favorite thing in the world. It's my favorite characteristic in basketball for you to be. So yeah, I saw yeah. that and then ended up seeing like on Twitter or something some old highlights of his passing ability that people posted because of that. And uh, I was just like, man, that's so fun to watch. He was, he was a way better passer than I remembered. Um, so that's, that's no doubt about that. He was, I, I just remember him, you know, shoot threes as a big tall guy. He was one of the first real, you know, six ten guys that would spot up from anywhere and do you know, could do just about anything. Yeah. That's how I remember Tony Kukoc. Yeah, yeah. Uh, never thought about it more as that on the passing side of things, which we saw. Right. The the last thing from episode five, the big thing, and, and I would just skip over it to save time if this wasn't such a big deal, I think, that I think we could have a good conversation about is the whole thing. It was in 1990. Harvey Gantt was running for U.S. Senate. He, he, he was an uh, African-American gentleman uh, from North Carolina, Michael's home state, uh, running for U.S. Senate against a a man who had some ideals and policies that uh, that were historically outdated. considered 
possibly yeah outdated is a is a, is a pretty nice word to say yeah uh he, he was he was kind of known for that and he they even showed some clips of him saying stuff about like you know yeah we don't want schools to be segregated but that's also kind of what we want you know something along those lines and i was like whoa Holy cow, yeah. this is 1990. It's not 1960. Well, I don't know. I think the interview might have been from a few years before yeah. 1990, quite a few years before that. But the, the fact of the matter is, is who the guy was and his positions really didn't change over time. Right. And But you are still in what's considered the South. You know, I know it's North Carolina, but that was part of the South. And, that, and even up until the 90s, just goes to show you as much as as much far as we always talk about thinking that we become in that situation of race and equality, <laughs> we, 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 we were far from it then. And we're, you know, maybe we're probably better now, but are, are we super far from where we were then? Maybe, maybe not as, as far as we think we are. Yeah. Hopefully in 10 or 20 years, we look back on 2020 and say, man, Everybody was so racist back then. I'm glad we're so far ahead now. You know, I, I, sure. I hope that's the case. Not because I, I, you know, not because it's okay for it to be like that now, but hopefully we keep progressing and, and people keep progressing. The understand. big thing about this whole deal, though, this whole conversation, yeah. I don't like getting into that topic. Well, number one, because, uh, you know, obviously we grew up. Uh, in in a house, in both of our households, where that kind of talk, that kind of thing, just was not around us. Uh, we grew up uh, more of an e- in in an equality because of both of our parents, uh, all four of our parents, your mom and dad, my mom and dad, didn't come from exactly the greatest neighborhoods, so they they dealt with things we would never have to deal with, and we learned from what they taught us. Now. In that case, I don't like getting into these conversations very often because I'm not the most intelligent person about it. And I don't want to sound unintelligent when I talk about something so important. That is why I love Michael Jordan for all these years, too. Michael Jordan is a basketball player, and he wants to be known as the greatest basketball player to ever live. Mm -hmm. Everything else is not even second. It's like 10th. Yeah. And, and you never hear Michael talk about politics. You never hear Michael get into uh, race, race and equality. He obviously, like he said in the thing, he, he gave money to the guy, but he just wasn't going to do a commercial for him. Yeah. That, you know, he didn't feel like that was the best way for him to do it. But he, he still gave money to the guy's campaign, and everybody was mad at him because the, 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 uh, the Gantt, who was running, lost and they feel like Michael could have been that one saving grace that could have got that old racist white man out of out of out of uh, what was he running for Senate Senate yeah was it Senate or was it yes yeah, could have got him out of there and could and could have got uh, Mr. Gant put in but at the same time this is one thing I think about so often uh, people talk about using your platform to, to do different things. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the same time, just cause you have that platform doesn't mean I give three craps about what you have to say about anything. Right. Yeah, yeah. So you can use it, but it, if anything, a lot of times that platform can hurt you in a way monetarily or, or, um, the way people look at you in any way, it, it can hurt you as much as people can respect you for standing up for what you believe in. 
And God love Michael Jordan, who is as business savvy a human being as you'll probably ever find out of an athlete. And he made the decision, look, this isn't what I do. I don't do political acts. Yeah. And yeah. That was it. He he said he said, I've never thought of myself as an activist. He said, I, he, he said the best thing, which is exactly what you said, the reason that you, you know, don't like to get too deep into these kind, kinds of conversations, because he said he told his mom actually specifically because his mom, I guess somebody asked his mom to do to do something about it. And he, he told his mom, he said, mom, I'm, I'm not pushing him. Yeah, he said, I'm not speaking out of pocket about something I don't know. And that's exactly, and yes. that's the same reason I, we don't need to get into this either, but that's the same reason I, I voted, I voted when I was 18 and 20 years later, that was the last time I voted because I don't take the, <laughs> because I don't take the time. I, it drives people crazy, but I don't take the time to vote because I don't take the time to educate myself on any of the people, any of the policies, you know, you overhear plenty of stuff. I, I know, mm-hmm. I, I know, you know, how I feel about who's in the presidency right now and stuff like that. But that only because of stuff I've overheard, I don't actually take the time to look up anybody's Stop policies, to read, to stuff. read up on everything. Right. And, and that's, and I feel it's more responsible for me to not vote on that because I don't have information on it that would make me make an intelligent decision and that's exactly what michael's talking about here he's like look i don't i i've spent all of my time dedicating myself to the game of basketball i don't worry about any of that other stuff that's not part of my life and i don't i i'm he's not got, he's got people to worry about that for him <laughs> sure yeah <laughs> he goes to the voting booth with his entourage and his entourage just I points to the one no um <laughs> No, and, and, and the, the, the biggest... The entourage was actually pretty good in, in, in episode uh, six. Too. <laughs> yes, yes. We're going to get to that in a second. But the, the, the thing that bothered people, and it bothered people that he wasn't supporting the, Afri- the African-American man and the uh, Democrat um, for those reasons, because they are those things, and he could help... Um, he could help, uh, you know, move, move everybody issue, toward... Movie. Yeah, toward the... You know, because he would have been the first African American in the U.S. Senate, um, either in the U.S. Senate period or from North Carolina or, or something. But so people were already bothered by that. But then, but he said the the quote got out that he said Republicans buy sneakers too, and and that yeah. really bothered people. And it wasn't it wasn't uh, an an advertisement or or a um, the, what, what's the word he uh, he wasn't advocating for Republicans or he wasn't saying I'm. In the middle or anything like that, he was he was making first of all a a joke, like he said on the yeah. bus to his teammates. Uh, so yeah. in in that word got out somehow that the, that he said that. But um, you know, Horace Grant. Horace Grant was telling everybody <laughs> everything. What? Um, <laughs> no, but but uh, so people were upset about that, and he's like, yeah, I, he's like, I I didn't, I was joking first of all, but also. It was really kind of part of it. Like he's like, I'm supporting my business, and I'm not gonna, I'm not yeah. gonna advocate for anybody specifically because I just have not taken the time to really make I, that an intelligent I, decision. I love it. Yeah, I love it. Listen, I, I recently, I, I didn't vote for quite a few years because I didn't, I had no idea about anything. I, I look into things a little bit more now, not as much as I should, but a little bit more. Uh, but. It still doesn't mean that I, I, I try I, I try not to have uh, 
try not to let anything like that come out when I'm in conversation because you know what? Everybody's different. Yeah. Everybody has their opinions. And if I had a shoe brand that was making hundreds of millions of dollars a year, I 100% would keep my mouth shut about anything so polarizing as politics. Yeah. I would never say a word about it. Wouldn't happen. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we're living in an era now where way more athletes are speaking up a lot more about a lot of things. And, you know, yeah, there's a, a whole big. Tell them all to shut up yeah. There's a whole big fight between, you know, people that don't. Basically, between people that disagree with whatever they say and the athlete for whatever they're saying. And, and there's the whole thing with that. But, um, but it, it's much more about you know LeBron's the easiest example because he's the biggest star because he's low, he's Michael of now he's, right he's doing it differently than Michael did right yeah and, and and I think Michael's fine with that he's like yeah if you want to do that that's fine but that's what he said but if you're looking if you're following my career and you're a fan of mine or whatever however he put it um, and you're expecting that from me you're not going to get it from me and if it if you're following me for that reason. I'm probably not the I'm probably not the guy you want to be a fan of, or I'm probably not the guy you want to follow. Uh, right. So so that was I, I love that position that that he takes on that, and I um, it's it's much easier for me to follow to follow somebody that's not in the news every single day for something that he said, whether you know, and probably is blown away out of proportion right. and all that kind of stuff. Just I just want to follow him because I like to watch him play basketball. You know, almost everything anymore on the tweet box when it comes to politics is blown out of proportion, whether it's far right or far left. Both sides take the smallest little sentence anybody says and make it crazy, even yeah. more of a reason to not even talk about it. Yep. Have your opinions, keep them to yourself, do your thing. Yeah. Anyway, that's my personal, except for sports. You got a sports opinion. I'm totally down for arguing about <laughs> over sports. Sure, that's my that's my life. I love every second of that. Absolutely, um, and, and it, it's easy for us to be all about sports all day long, especially when we're missing it so much, and we you know we we crave it and all that kind of stuff. And, and when it's going on, we consume it constantly. But for the people that are entertaining us constantly, so I, it's so easy to forget. How especially the top 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 stars in these sports, how much more difficult their lives are than for for way different reasons than we ha have difficulties in our lives. They have difficulties yes. like we do too. But they, you know, Michael Jordan, LeBron James, they can't just go run up to Kroger and do some shopping, right? When they, they're on the road. They can't come out of their room. Michael Jordan is they show locked it basically locked in his room. He calls it. He's 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 stuck there. And I think he said something to the effect of usually he's nice, peace and quiet. So you guys showed up. Yeah. But they show him leaving the hotel. He gets off the elevator and there's a, a, a hundred people standing outside the elevator of a hotel, mm -hmm. just waiting for Michael Jordan to come out of the elevator. Yeah. That's insane to have to deal with on a daily basis could i i couldn't even fathom and i believe this is what you're doing is putting this into because this is how episode six kind of gets started uh after the it kind of gets us into that third championship and after the third championship and with which was the barkley right was that the yeah, the Suns so, in '93. Yeah, yeah, Suns in '93. So you know, and and uh, the the first off, 
that was a fun that was a fun series. Uh, that I I was a big fan. Charles Barkley was huge, and he was made huge really from that dream team. Char- Charles Barkley was already a star in the league, but he became a uh, a, a global phenomenon during the. During the Olympics, which is another reason to watch that Dream Team documentary for the it's wrong reasons. Ton of Charles Barkley, <laughs> yeah, for the wrong reasons, one hundred percent. Well, I don't know. Go party, have some fun. And well, then he said some things that he probably shouldn't have as well. Right. <laughs> Did some things that he probably shouldn't have as well. Uh, but at the same time, uh, that that put Charles on a whole new, another level, and and he was the MVP of the league, and that's all it takes. Michael needs just one thing, right? He just needs one thing. Yeah. Michael thought he should have been MVP that year. Charles got it. All right, I'm going to come out here and show everybody. But at the same time, that's when we hear for the first time Michael talking about retirement. At the peak of his career, what was he, 29 or 28 at that point? I don't think he may not even been that old. It was 97. 93, he would have turned uh, 30. So he'd be 29, 30 years old. So – uh, you're talking about, I mean, this is just in, insane to me, 30 years old and you are the best in the league. And at the time, well, Charles Barkley got the MVP, but you're the best in the league. Yeah. Everybody knows it. You're the greatest there is. And you're talking about retirement. You're talking about being tired. They win that. And his words walking into the locker room of how do you compare this to the other two championships and he calls it what was it? What did, did he say? Relief, or what was the word he used? Uh, you put it in our note that I'm supposed to read. Oh yeah, yeah. It, it was something along those lines, though, that he was more, and you could just see it on his face when they showed it that you know that yeah. he was he was way more. And one of his teammates was talking about it. I think how much he was more relieved than he was, you know, jubilant for the for the championship, right? right? Happy it's over. That's what he told the guy. I'm happy it's over. Right. And, and that really – and it was it was just as much for that reason that he – well, it, it was because basically of kind of starting to, to feel the pressure, constant, constant pressure to be on all the time. And that was, that was one of the things that somebody said, um, you know, you have to be this, this like godlike person on earth all the time. And that's what people are expecting you to be at all times. And no matter how great a person you are, it's really, really hard to be that way all the time and not slip up and not do things or say things that are going to bother somebody. Um, and, and it happened. I mean, Michael Jordan was not a perfect person. And even if people forgave him for being a really tough teammate to get along with because he pushed so hard and stuff like that, that wasn't even the issue really. It was, it started to become, you you heard about, because it was after game one, I think, of the Eastern Conference Championship against the Knicks, who, um, I could talk to you about this all day, because you were a fan of that Knicks team, and I hated that Knicks team. Um, I know. But they, 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 (laughs) yeah, yeah, yeah. It felt like the second coming of the bad boys. But anyway, um, because Anthony Mason and Charles Oakley, and anyway, John John Starks was my, was my arch nemesis. probably the worst. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so, yeah, yeah. and, and and Michael was friends with Patrick, I think. Um, but you know, not during that series, obviously, but anyway, but the Knicks, the thing is the Knicks were probably the next best team, right? The next best Eastern conference team at that time, you know, the, the Pistons kind of 
ended their run there. And uh, this was the early 90s now, and, and the Knicks were one of those teams. And um, and they were really good. And and but it was after that that I think Michael I think I think Michael said it was his dad said let's let's get out of the city, kind of get away. And they went right. to Atlantic City and just get, you know played blackjack or whatever for a few hours. And um, that that got out, and I guess kind of everybody kind of ran with that because he he had a tough game. I think the first the first two games I want to say he uh, he yeah. didn't have his best games. He was still Michael. He probably still put up thirty, but um, he didn't have his best games. And they lost those first two games. The Knicks went up 2-0. and um, and so everybody's like, oh well, this is why Michael's Michael's up all night gambling. What's he wrong with this guy? Right. So, um, and that's when, the, and then there was a guy that he uh, played a lot of golf with and gambled with that wrote a book about his and Michael's exploits on the golf course. And that didn't do yeah. it. That didn't do Michael any favors. And you, we've seen almost every single episode, Michael with his teammates or, or people gambling. I mean, there oh, are examples the, in bus, yeah. every, and almost every episode so far. And yeah. as John a Matt. Was John, yeah, John Paxson talked about it. John yeah. Paxson was, or was it Steve Kerr? It was John Paxson, yeah. Talking about how him and, uh, I, I can't remember, him and uh, somebody were in the front of the bus playing for a dollar a hand, and they're in the back play, playing, you know, $1,000 hands of, of poker, and they're up front playing dollar a hand blackjack. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and Michael came in and said, that's when Michael came up to them and said, this is the guy, and he, gambling is a competition, right? He said, can I play? And they're like, Michael, why do you want to play with us? He goes, because I want to be able to say I got your money in my pocket. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> yeah. Yep, because Mike – and that's what, you know, you saw because the media started started really, really hitting him hard about that through the rest of the Eastern Conference Finals, which the Bulls, by the way, came back and won the next four games. Um, and 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 But they were killing Michael. Every single day the media was like, you know, what are – do you have a gambling problem? All this stuff started coming out about his affinity for gambling, and yeah. he did. He loved it. That was his favorite. That's his second favorite thing. Oh boy! And uh, <laughs> and so so they really started. Um, really started. I was gonna. I was gonna. I, I got this on Facetime for everybody listening to Adam. All of a sudden, start cracking up. I uh, I got this on Facetime, and I just walked into the bathroom. I, I was gonna do the flip screen and put it on mute and just watch, let you watch the stream going into the toilet. But I decided I didn't. I didn't know if I'd be able to keep control of the camera correctly. I didn't want anything to slip, so I just throw it on mute. You keep talking. Okay. All right. Yeah, I'm sorry. I I should. I I wish I was good enough to not break in that situation. But I saw. I just saw the camera flip from your face to a toilet. And that threw me off a little bit. So anyway, um, but yeah, so Michael was loved to gamble because, like he said, uh, in in a in a in an interview when it was he was flat out asked, "Do you have a gambling problem?" He said, "No, I have a competition problem." Which easy to it's easy for all of us to make the joke like, "Okay, yeah, if you want to call it that, you have a gambling problem clearly." And if you want to call it a competition problem, that sounds a little better. Um, but it really, it really did come down to, it was about the competition because it was always, it was always about 
besting somebody, right? And uh, and so that's what he gambled on. He he was gambling constantly on golf, um, and he it didn't sound like he was a very good golfer because he lost. It sounded like he lost a ton of money to a lot of people golfing. So like maybe become a better golfer and then start gambling on it, right? Um, Every time they show him golfing, he's so mad at himself. Yeah, he hit so many bad shots. <laughs> <laughs> he missed like a three foot putt, and he's like, oh man. He's like, well, yeah, no, I'll get that back on the next hole. You know. That's right. Uh, crack me but, up. <laughs> so, uh, so anyway, yeah, it was it was during that Eastern Conference Finals. It got so bad that Michael Michael silenced himself. He did not. He stopped talking to the media, um, and, and uh, so he stopped talking to the media. They went ahead. They 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 finished out the series. They they did beat the Knicks, and they went on. And they were waiting for. The finals to start. So he still he it was two weeks, two and a half weeks, something like that, that he didn't talk to the media because they wouldn't leave him alone about it. And it was definitely a distraction because I'm sure his teammates were all answering yeah. questions about it every day too. Um, Guaranteed. But they got to the finals and he find he grabbed a mod and said, "Before the finals start, I want an interview with you." And he and Ahmad Rashad were famously friends, um, and he said. Well, let's get this out of the way. I'm going to talk about it. Yep. We're going to get it out of the way, and then I'm done with it. And so he and did. He wore sunglasses. I've never <laughs> seen Michael Jackson. Michael Jackson. Michael Jordan. I've never seen Michael Jordan in sunglasses, much less. Try- Michael Jordan's not the guy that tries to be super cool, right? Right, right. Why? I'm with Ahmad. Ahmad's yeah. like, I don't know. Uh, you know, I wanted to tell him, I don't know that the sunglasses are the best idea, but. And, and that's exactly – it drives me crazy when people wear sunglasses during interviews or indoors at all. Indoors in general. Because – I don't he, wear sunglasses. I don't, I don't wear them most of the time unless I'm like on the beach and it's literally ridiculously sunny and, and I can't stand it. But I have a hat on usually and that keeps enough of the sun out of my face. I don't understand sunglasses in general, much less sunglasses inside. That's annoying. I am, That's just annoying. Me too. I can't stand it either. It does look bad. I always. It's so hard not to think you're on drugs. There's something wrong with you. The reason that you're wearing sunglasses. It's probably not Such fair most of the time. Fella. No, so it, but I automatically just think, why do you think you're so cool? Or yes, whatever. There's some reason that is not a good reason for you to be wearing sunglasses, and you are wearing sunglasses indoors. Sunglasses are made for one reason. To keep the sun in your eyes. Sun glasses to dim the sun when you're inside. There's no sun. Right. Well, I don't understand. <laughs> Chris, I I have owned one pair of sunglasses in my whole adult life. They are the sunglasses that you got all of us for to be in your wedding. Oh, nice. And those nice. are the only pair. That's the only pair of sunglasses. I think I've worn them. They're Aside from years. walking into your reception, probably, which I wore sunglasses indoors, I guess, then. So, shame on me. That was, but, that was listen, that was uh, all the wife's idea, not mine. Oh, yeah. I, no, 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 no. I, I, got I, sunglasses inside. I was just happy to, I was just happy to be part of your wedding. I'm not, there's no, I have no problem with that. Whatever you guys wanted me to do, I was good, except for dancing. Um, we, we tried to do the, we tried to do the thriller dance too. And uh, I was so, so glad that kind of fell apart, but I was still expected to do some sort of dancing, walking into the thing. And that was, I'm so, 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 so uncomfortable with that. But anyway. And did you walk down the aisle with a dancer, I believe, with someone who danced in college? Did you, 
You walked oh. down with Kelly, right? Uh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was on UK's dance team <laughs> in college. <laughs> and she could not have been paired with a worse partner to walk down the aisle with or walk into the reception with. So I apologize to her. Oh, anyway, um, so yes, the sunglasses were a bad idea for Michael, but um, he he uh, he did, and but it didn't matter. It was he dealt with it. He talked about it. Um, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be the last time he would have to talk about it, but he dealt with it so that he could move on. And that was, and then from then on, it was about the finals, right? Mm-hmm. But um, but yeah, we did see. But that was a big part of that drained him, just as much as exhausting himself physically in the games. His mental, uh, his mental fatigue was just as much or more so. It was more. It was more so than mm-hmm. physical fatigue because of that, because the media was going crazy, because he was finally not looked upon as this perfect person. People started seeing flaws and people started turning on him a little bit. And one of the examples that I cannot pass up without talking about is the scene of him pitching quarters with the with the security guards the security in the United guards. Center, and specifically the one guy who had the funniest look, and I'm I I I'm so sorry to this gentleman whose name I have his name I know his name it's John Michael Wozniak because he just passed away in January. Oh my god! The poor guy, John Michael Wozniak. It's even funnier that he had three names and um. He had a perm mullet. <laughs> yes, that's perfect. Yes, he had a perm mullet. That's exactly a what it blonde, was. A blonde, a blonde perm mullet. With a with a blonde mustache. Right, <laughs> with a blonde mustache, and he was. I, it's hard to tell on TV, obviously, but he might have been five five or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. He took twenty dollars from Michael. <laughs> he took money from Michael, like everybody he played golf with. Because he was pitching quarters, and then, you know, and he beat him. Michael uh, said, I'll give you four quarters, and he only took one. I don't understand it. It's like Mike wanted to give the guy $20. Just give yeah. me $20. Yeah. But it, it, was, it, wasn't a, it wasn't a gambling problem. It wasn't a competition problem. It was, a, it was an addiction to giving other people his money. No. Yes. Um, but it, that, just scene, that scene was so funny because that guy just looked – just had such a funny look that <laughs> when he stuck his hands in his pocket and turned around and looked at the camera and like shrugged his shoulders with and smiled with his hands in his pocket. That could that's yeah. gonna be a well, meme he, for a million. Years. And then he took him out and he did this. He did this number. Yeah. He did this. He did the Jordan. He, he was purposely doing the Jordan shrug from the '92 Finals in Game One when he exactly. hit the six. Yep. When he hit the six uh, threes. threes. Yep. Um, so that's what he did. And Magic, drug by the way, real quick, I'm jumping back real quick. <laughs> yeah. Magic Johnson tried to steal the show with that. Did you notice that? Because he said I, he looked over at him. Because he, he said he looked at him and was like, I, I, I think I disagree with that. I think Magic Johnson thinks a little too highly of himself. I don't know that Michael was looking directly at Magic and doing it. Yeah. I think that was just an overall, in general, this is crazy. I can't believe this is happening. I've heard that story before, and I heard that he was looking at the table at, at those guys. So I don't know, I don't know who he was looking at, but uh, but Magic made sure everybody knew it was Magic. Yeah, that, because that was directed at because he did tell the story that the night before he was they They're were having dinner cards. together. Yeah, they were playing cards. That's right. They're playing yeah. cards at Michael's house, and, and Michael, like you said, had to find a reason to. Uh, to, to feel slighted or something as motivation. Mm-hmm. So he, he was, 
a little bit offended that that Clyde Drexler was being compared to him. And Clyde was probably the second best shooting guard in the league at that time. And but Michael was like, I, I, Clyde was good, but I was a little offended that he was being compared to me. Like he was, it was just the you know. That was really when another tip. That's typical, Michael Jordan. It is too. typical, Michael. And, yeah, and he was. It was about the competition then, and it was about like like Magic also said in the Dream Team documentary and in this documentary. No matter what they were doing, he didn't want to just beat you. He wanted to beat you by a million. He wanted to put his throat, his foot on your throat, and stomp you out and crush you, crush your spirit. Um, so anyway. <laughs> That was, uh, but but Michael was very good at giving his money to people in the form of gambling. Um, yes. So I had to mention the the security guard because that was so funny, and there was, there were memes and gifs or gifs or whatever, and all kinds of stuff posted about that guy and his shrug that that he did to Michael um, when he beat him <laughs> when he beat him gambling. Pitching quarters. That's right. So that's and really. He had to use Michael's quarter. <laughs> yeah, beat him with his own quarter, and then Michael took Jordan more quarters from. Michael Jordan around with a pocket full of quarters. <laughs> Michael Jordan that and my dad. Too. <laughs> and your dad. My dad does that too. Um, so anyway, uh, that's really kind of it, it, it. Episode six ended with the Bulls winning their third straight championship, beating the Suns. And Michael being completely mentally drained after the episode started with a little with a little uh, hint at yeah at him saying I don't know how much time I don't know how much time more time I'm gonna give this thing I, it's I'm feeling the exhaustion I'm feeling the mental fatigue and by the end of that season it was like okay I'm really really pretty close to being done um, so that's where we're headed. <laughs> It looks like we're heading into the baseball years. Right. Is what it looks like. Yeah. Because let's be honest, this is called the last pants, but this is more about Michael Jordan and his career than it is about Michael Jordan in the 97, 98 team. Yeah. So the bulk of the episodes are more old school, more old school. So this is going to get us into, this is going to get us into his dad uh, being murdered for whatever reason. Or in and, and, and in my head, I feel like I should remember this. Was it at a? Wasn't it at like a rest area or something like that? Something like that. Yeah, it was a rest area, or it was on the side of a highway, or something like that. And yeah. the only thing they stole were like a pair of Jordans out of the back of his car or something. I don't know. It was, I just remember it being some weird stuff. Uh, but I want to know if they're going to put anything in this about uh, you know the conspiracy guys. You've heard so many conspiracies. Uh, reason they asked Mike, maybe Michael was pushed out of the NBA, even mm-hmm. though in '93 when he won the MVP, no wait, was it? Oh, it was at the All Star game when he won the All the MVP at the All Star game, and he said, "I'm not going to give him this trophy unless he promises to come back for another year." David oh, Stern David said Stern that. Said that, yeah. So, so it's hard to think that you know just a few months later, David Stern now is pushing him out of the NBA when he knows how much he's making, you know, how much the NBA is making and how well they're doing because of him. But you hear people say that he was being uh, suspended or uh, fined or whatever, and that's the reason he left the NBA and went to go try to play baseball. Now, Michael always says that he obviously Michael's a competitor. He believes he's the greatest at anything. He can, he can be the greatest at anything he wants to do. 
His first love was baseball. His dad's first love was baseball. His dad gets murdered. He wants to give it a try. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of it's going to have to do with the fatigue, but it's going to be interesting to see how they wrap any of the conspiracy theories or, you know, Jordan had so much uh, gambling debt that they somebody murdered his dad to get back at him. I've heard that one. That's a, a ton of silly stuff. So I'll be interested to see if there's any conspiracy questions that Michael could just brushes off like he would do anyway, or if they just pretty much just go straight by, here's what happened, here's where we're at, this, that, the other. Yeah. Yeah, so it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be exciting. Episode seven and eight are coming up this this weekend on Sunday, and um, I'm excited like I am every week. And uh, so so that's uh, that's about it for that that portion. I think now, did you get a chance? We didn't talk about this before. Did you watch Kevin Nealon's special, Whelmed but not overly? I did. Very good. Um, without getting okay, so did any did any jokes? specifically stick out to you did you did you uh did you you laugh hard or anything i i I did i don't even know that i laughed out loud one time and that's hard for me this was not i i was not not a fan i don't know it was it was it wasn't bad i mean it wasn't a bad bad special Mm -hmm. it just wasn't it didn't get up there with any of the things that i had uh, over half. I mean, I probably give this like a uh, like a two point two. Two point two. I'm putting you in as a, as a two point two. It was uh, I, so I've seen this before, and uh, <clears throat> that's why I I you know kind of suggested it because I remember it being really funny, and I've seen other other uh, Kevin Nealon stand up uh, bits and even even full specials I think and. I was like, man, this guy's even funnier than I remembered from him being on Saturday Night Live. And uh, so when I went back and rewatched this, kind of like some of these other ones that I had already seen before, it didn't quite feel the same. It wasn't, you know, it didn't quite get me like it did the first time. Um, but I still liked it. You know, there were still a few jokes, uh, not to get too crazy into it, but um, he did – actually – Un- completely topical. By the way, this was done in 2013. Um, oh, completely I was topical. The same thing. Go ahead. I yeah. was thinking the same thing while we were watching. He comes out, very first thing, he shakes hands with the front row and then immediately goes over to the stool and puts hand sanitizer on. And then and he's then like, later on, yeah. he gives the guy the knuckle part of the way through it and then turns back around and immediately puts hand sanitizer Yeah, on. just on the knuckle, like just squirts it on his knuckle right yes. there and like rubs yes. it in. And he's like, I just don't want to get sick. It's no offense to you. I just don't want to get sick. Nothing personal. I just don't want your disgusting, filthy germs. <laughs> this was 10 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. That was, uh, that was funny. So, that was funny. He was he was ahead of his time as far as avoiding that germs. That might have been what I laughed at the most. <laughs> yeah. Might have been what I laughed at the most. The the one the, the joke that I always remember more than anything from that special um, is the one when he's talking about how you know you, you definitely have to be like everybody's still talking about today. You got to be care- really careful about what you say now. It's it's very important. You know, it's things are changing and. He's like, uh, you know, he talked about going into flying into a new city, and he had a cab driver pick him up. And uh, this cab driver was uh, an African American gentleman, and he and he said uh, saw saw it on his name tag, and he saw his name was Boyd, and he and he said uh, he said, "What's your name, sir?" And he said, "It's Boyd." And and he looked on his name tag, and he said, "I have never pronounced a D so hard in my life." <laughs> 
boy, duh. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you have a really nice town here, boy, duh. <laughs> um, that was that was funny. Uh, Another one that it's really pretty stupid, but the another thing that got me was he was talking about how he likes to sleep, which kind of which relates to everybody because people like you know have their very their specific things about how they like to sleep. So he's like, in the winter, I like to sleep with the window open with a lot of blankets on. Right? He's like, feel the feel the the, the the draft come in come in from outside to the window, and he's like, he's like, when it, in the summer, I like to turn the air conditioning all the way up. And open the windows and sleep outside, so I can feel that draft coming out from inside, from inside the house. I don't know why that was. That was really kind of dumb, but I, I laughed at that. I thought it was so funny. Um, the only other thing, this is also not something funny. Like just people do suicide jokes, and it's not funny. But he's talking about. It was talking about hybrid cars. And he's like, he's like, hybrid cars are no good for committing suicide. You'd have to sit in the garage forever. <laughs> anyway, I don't know why that was. It's so stupid. I sad that I even mentioned that one. But when it, when he said that, no, hey, I laughed listen, and I wrote it down. Listen, it's comedy. We usually talk <laughs> right. about it, but we usually say this. But here's the deal: in comedy, people are going to say things that you're not going to agree with all of it. But it's not a political view, or it's not. They're they they are taking. It's it's a joke. Everything's just a joke. Just take it as a joke. It is. Laugh at the joke. Don't let. Don't be upset about what the joke's about. That's yeah, yeah, the whole point. Anyway, yeah, yeah. So don't feel bad about laughing at that. You can right. laugh at anything you want. I'll I'll okay. feel a little bad, but still. And I've I've I'm a little worried that I'm becoming desensitized to uh regular conversations lately because i have been because i've been because i've been uh working from home i'm by myself so i will throughout the day play uh just like pandora comedy stations like i'll pick a comedian play their station on pandora and listen to comedy for a couple hours you know and then take a little break and then go back to it for a while so i've been listening to a lot of a lot more comedy than i even normally do lately so I'm um, I'm really being exposed to a lot of stuff like that, and uh, I'm like, and I'm wanting to like make jokes all the time when I talk to people because I don't talk to people as much because you don't see people, but um, sure. but when I do, I'm like, I'll say something and you know, or I'll be on like a call with with my boss or something, and I'll I'll want to make a, I'm like, oh, that's an opportunity to make a joke, and I'm like, wait, is that appropriate though? Hold on, should that, is this one okay? For... So anyway, uh, um, how how nice is it to have a filter? <laughs> it's i'm normally i feel like i'm pretty i don't like to feel like i'm good at anything but i feel like i'm usually pretty good at the filter like i'm i'm very good at making sure i don't curse in, in front of certain people or in certain situations sure. you know I, yeah. I i can turn that off and on pretty easily um and, and stuff like that but uh but yeah sometimes you do slip everybody slips sometimes and and yeah you gotta i, I really have to try to catch myself before when i when i think of a joke and i'm like but I, I just want the laugh. I just want to get the laugh, you know. And and yeah, and, yeah. and you're like, wait, I gotta right, remember my who, who am I talking to? What's run, the that runs my life? It doesn't matter who I'm talking to. <laughs> if I feel like there's an opportunity, it runs my life. It's I hate it. I hate. I've gotten better. I've gotten better. My filter has gotten a little bit better the older I get, and I do hold back a little bit more. 
But for the most part, especially if there's more than three people standing there, I need it. I need the laugh. I need it. Yeah. I don't care who it hurts. I don't care who it's making fun of. It don't matter. Let's go. Well, if you if, get, if there's if there's three other people in there and I get two of them to laugh really hard, I don't care how bad I hurt your feelings. <laughs> and, and a perfect example of that is is when I said is when I joked about your breath earlier today, and what was something else too? I said which both things, neither one, whatever the other one I said. Neither one was true. I just saw an opportunity to make a joke about here's, it. So at your expense, and I knew okay. you could. I knew you could take it, and that's the only reason. And I knew exactly. you knew I was joking. So that's the only reason I, I would say you. To, I love to give people a hard time and, and get laughs, basically making fun of other people. And, <laughs> and it's all in jest. I wouldn't do it unless I like you. I'm yeah, not, yeah, yeah. Well, I take that. I take that back. Sometimes I do it because I don't like you, but <laughs> at the same time. If it's an in-between guy where I'm kind of okay with him, I'm not going to make fun of that guy. See, that's so, the difference. I, I will only I make... I like you or I don't yeah. like you. I will, but, I will make fun of you if I like you. If I don't like you, I probably won't. Yeah. See, I don't care. I'll still... Then I I, I, I kind of... Those are the two ends of the spectrum for me. I'm, I'm in, game in on both of those. But the thing I feel is I... We talk about being self-deprecating all the time. Make fun of me all you want. Yeah. Have fun with it. I'm going to agree with you yes. and I'll try to help your joke out and give you a little extra. I might even go overboard <laughs> yeah. and lie about some stuff just to try to make your joke sound better. Yes. But if you can't, if you can't take it, don't dish it out. Yeah. Don't do it yeah. because you're going to get yourself in trouble. Somebody's <laughs> going to come back at you. You're going to dish it out. Somebody's going to come get you and it's not going to be pretty. I've had quite a few of those instances where somebody tries to say something and I just continue on with it right back at them. <laughs> And all of a sudden, their feelings get hurt, and then they, you know, I find out that they don't want to talk to me for a while. <laughs> should have, shouldn't have said what he said. Well, I'm the, I'm the same as you. If I can be the uh, butt of your joke, please, by all means, I would love it. And like you yes. said, I will most right likely agree with you seriously about whatever you're joking about because there's some truth 100%. to it. There's some truth to it. There's yes. going to be some truth to it. You wouldn't say it. You wouldn't <laughs> say it if there wasn't some truth to it. <laughs> right. And so, chances are I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. About yeah. I, I'm, I'm my own worst critic. So whatever you have to say about me, I've already told myself a hundred times. So anyway. 100%. Uh, so let's joke Speaking about it. Speaking of being the butt of your own joke. What com- comedian are we doing next? Have you seen who the newest Netflix special is? I, I don't – I haven't really uh, kept up. If there have been any in the last week or two, I haven't. There is – like I said, I've been listening to a lot of comedy lately. And there is a guy that I have kind of fallen in love with. I'm trying my best not to get overly excited early about this guy because that's what I do. And then I end up uh-huh. a year down the road thinking, okay, I'm done with this guy. Kind of a Chris D'Elia type of thing. But – Almost everything I've heard from this guy, he's got like maybe three albums or something out or specials out, and I've heard probably most of the jokes from from all of them now, by now, but I'm really, really, really liking this guy, and three or four weeks ago, I didn't even know who he was, I don't think, uh, but a guy by the name of Chad Daniels. So, Chad Daniels. Chad Daniels. Um, his, he's got a few of them, like I said. Um and his his special he just had a his most recent one is from just last year in 2019 so it's not that far long ago um it, it's called dad channels <laughs> he just switched the <laughs> it, which is perfect because he has uh, i think it's two kids and they're teenagers and he most of his jokes are about his family and about his kids so 
you might be able to relate a little bit because you're a father um, sure. and, and you yeah. have kids and stuff and it'll be, I, I think it'll be fun. And, you know, so he, he does most of his jokes about his family and I think he's very, very, very good. Um, so I, I want to introduce him to you now and I hope I've, I've, I've been like, Oh, for three or four now on, on getting you to be excited about guys that I'm excited about. <laughs> so okay. this is another okay. opportunity, but, I, but, uh, you know, there's, I, there are so many other guys. Uh, I usually like the ones that I've never heard before because they usually okay. come off really good to me. Yeah, so yeah. I'm totally down for this, but I want to tell you that I, I feel like I'm already going to put my, my two cents in for next week. Yeah, let's do it. Jerry Seinfeld, brand new Netflix special. He has a new one? Just came out. Really? Yep. He's... Jump on your Netflix. This is a top. As soon as I opened Netflix just a second ago, it's on the very top. 2020. Uh, it is called 23 Hours to Kill. It is top 10 on Netflix right now. And it's a special. Yeah, it's a, it's a special. His okay. last special I wasn't a big fan of. It was, mm -hmm. I think it was called Jerry Seinfeld before. He did a lot just talking about, he, was, he did the special at the same place he did his first ever uh, stand-up. And he talked a lot about the, who he was before. It was good, but it wasn't, it wasn't my favorite Seinfeld stand-up. But uh, this looks like it might be pretty fun. Jerry Seinfeld is, uh, he's funny because he's the opposite of who I think I would be if I was a comedian. And I feel like I can appreciate stuff like that. My favorite thing ever, Jerry Seinfeld, Kesha came up to him at an award show. You ever seen that? No. I may have heard so the story. I don't know. Kesha's a huge fan of Jerry Seinfeld, apparently, <laughs> and sees Jerry Seinfeld at, a, at an award show, whether it's the Grammys or some, not, probably not the Grammys, but whatever it is, and comes running over while he's doing, a, while he's doing an interview with E, because it was on E's when I saw it. So anyway, he's doing an interview with them on the red carpet, and she comes running over, and she's like, oh my gosh. Jerry Seinfeld, I'm Kesha. Can I have a hug? And he goes, no. Or no, she says, oh my gosh, Jerry Seinfeld. <laughs> yeah. No, she said, Jerry, oh my gosh, Jerry Seinfeld, I'm such a huge fan. Can I have a hug? And he's like, no. She's like, I'm Kesha. And he's like, okay, no. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's so great. <laughs> it's funny. It's funny that you brought up Jerry Seinfeld because he was in, I think it was episode six. He was in The Last Dance. Yep. And, uh, and he, he came in to meet Michael and, uh, you know, Michael was nice about it and they, they talked for a minute. And then I think Phil like kicked, was kicking Jerry out. Like, okay, we got work to do here. Let's yeah, go. Well, and then yeah, yeah. And then as Jerry, it, it made me laugh as Jerry's walking out, he stops and turns around and all these plays are draw diagrammed on the board. He's like, by the way, that's not going to work. I'd take that out. I thought that was really funny. That was, that was good. That was Jerry. That was good. Jerry Seinfeld. He also, it, it was perfect. Cause that was, uh, he said, he said it's 1999 at the time, I believe. And he said, listen, the nineties are, are getting ready to leave. And, uh, they, they were asking him about Michael and, and the Bulls if they were done. And he was like, you know, sometimes, you know, like 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 with my show, and, you know, the 90s are done and it's time to let somebody else come in and have some fun. Yeah. And he, you know, basically called it before it happened. Sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so so we'll do Chad Daniels this week. Um, it's called Dad Channels if you want to watch it. And then listen to our uh, yeah. It's on Amazon. Prime. It's on Amazon Prime. Uh, it shouldn't it shouldn't be any extra. I think I checked that. It shouldn't you shouldn't have to buy it. 
Should just be it with Prime. On, if you have Prime. I'm looking at it right, right now. It is free with Prime. Okay. Um, so so check that one out. Like I like I said, I think I've heard a lot of the jokes by now uh, from this uh, through listening to uh, the Pandora comedy stations. But um, I'm excited to see the whole thing from beginning to end. Um, I've got a, I've got a list of a bunch of other guys now, man. I, I'm I've been writing some stuff down and I'm pumped. Uh, I, I've got plenty of guys. So we'll do this one this week. We'll do Jerry Seinfeld's new uh, new special next week, and then we've got plenty to keep going with. Uh, I, I don't ever uh, want to stop doing still these. Coming out on, they're still coming out on Netflix, so yeah. even though we're not allowed doing anything, uh, they're, they're still they're still happening. So uh, yeah, sorry, I just right. hit. I just hit Chad Daniels. Uh, right. So I'm totally down for, uh, I'm totally, this is, the comedy segment is one of my favorite segments of this podcast, and I definitely want to continue to do it. Yeah, and we rushed through this. social distancing. Right, we rushed through this one a little bit because uh, because we're, we're getting late, but what? You didn't rate it. Oh, you're How right. Uh 3.1. Uh, that's not pretty Three, good. 3.1 Haas. Yeah, I, I, I still, yeah, I still, it is it's pretty like good for Murphy me. range. I still liked it. Yeah, uh, I still did like it. Um, yeah, I, I gave Leslie Jones and Tom Papa. And, yeah. Um, anyway, I'm going with 3.1, and I'm, I'm going to stop thinking about it right now because I will change it in two seconds if I keep thinking about it. Um, Perfect. So anyway, uh, all right. So next week we'll have two more episodes of The Last Dance to talk about. Uh, yep. If anything else happens uh, between now and then, I guess we'll talk about that. We'll probably update each other again on how the whole, how what's going on. If there's any new news or whatever on the whole, staying at home or people getting sick or all that kind of business. I'm gonna tweet. I'm gonna tweet uh, at my favorite bull of the early '90s. I'm gonna tweet at uh, B.J. Armstrong and see if he'll come on the podcast. Oh my gosh! If, <laughs> please do that. Please, please do that. And uh, so. The last thing before we go is uh, just making sure that we uh, shout out the people that that help us out. And uh, that for us is training personally with Peggy Edwards. No matter your level of fitness, whether you're beginner, intermediate, advanced, if you'd like to be challenged a little bit or a lot and you want the benefit of working out with a personal trainer but without the cost of a personal trainer, training personally with Peggy Edwards is for you. Training personally is interval circuit training for all levels with a personal trainer at your pace, on your time. Peggy Edwards keeps your workouts safe. She keeps them fresh, she keeps them fun. Once they open back up, they'll be ready to go. For now, check her out on uh, Facebook, Training Personally uh, training personally with Peggy Edwards on Facebook. All the information you need, where the gym's located, how you can get a hold of her personally, pricing, uh, anything you need, any information is on trainingpersonally.com. So thank you, Peggy Edwards, training personally. Uh, Chris, I think we're I think also, we're, also oh please also Ohio Mosquito Control. We're back to this time of the year. Mm. It is mosquito season. If you haven't got if you haven't got a hold of them, uh, uh, we we talked about them a lot last year during the podcast. We're getting right back into it. Ohio Mosquito Control. Uh, they will come to your house. They will take care of your mosquito problem, so you can enjoy the outdoors because it's that time. You can social distance with uh, with a neighbor, or you can social distance from your own family. Either way, you can be in your house or in your backyard still. So, have somebody come over, spray your yard, take it down. It's a completely plant-based treatment, so it's all good for the environment and all that stuff. Uh, they're a 
Uh, at Ohio, they, they are a quality service in the Cincinnati area. It's at a reasonable price, family-owned and operated. Uh, they are the pest of the pest. Give them a call or go online to ohio-mc.com. You can book online there, ohio-mc.com. They will get you all set up. You can do a one-time treatment. You can do uh, you can do a treatment for the whole year. So they, they do everything you want, residential, commercial, Check them out, ohio-mc.com. All right, man. That's uh, that's all we've got for this week, and uh, I will leave it up to you. Don't forget to turn your headlights on.